Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the bus driver experience. I know it might not be morning where you are, but I hope everybody is having a great day. Another beautiful day on planet Earth. Another great day on our short existence of life. Get out there. Get after it. Enjoy it. Just live it up. No matter your situation, man, we are so blessed and fortunate to keep on going for another day. And before we get into today's episode, we, yes, you and I, you, we, have a few announcements. We are going to India. Bus Driver Experience is heading to India this January, and man, oh man, am I pumped. I am pumped. I've been talking with a few producers out there. I've been talking with many, 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 many people in India. I'm really excited to be connecting with them, and I'm really excited about the traction that the video and the trailer has received. If you haven't seen that trailer yet, go check it out on Facebook. Go check it out on YouTube. If you do watch it on Facebook give it a share. Sharing helps everybody see the video more. It really helps the visibility on social media. Anybody will tell you the more and more visibility, more shares, more likes or comments something gets, the more chance it has reaching more people, especially if you like this stuff. And that's a great way to always support this, this channel, this show. And if you do want to support this show, there are many other ways to do that. You can go ahead and go check our merchandise now at thebusdriverproductions.com. And there's always a PayPal option if you want to send us cash and Patreon. It really goes a long way. Putting out this high-quality content, it, it costs money. It costs stuff. But I believe in this message. I believe in this message of going out and evaluating value and purpose and using storytelling to connect with some incredible people to help inspire people from all around the world. And, yeah, if you want to work together, you want to join, always have a chance to come join and collab with me here at the Bus Driver Experience. But I'm going to get into today's episode because today's guest is just like a great product of the internet. Somebody who's been working in the music and the rap scene for 13 years in the UK. And after 13 years, he's built an incredible community, a great audience, a great fan base. However, the thing that gave him notoriety, the thing that boosted him up all across the internet happens to be a video about him um, identifying as a woman and breaking the female powerlifting world records, UK records, in bench press and deadlifting. I have the one and only Zuby. Zuby's out here touring the US. He's on like a nine-week podcast, video, talk show tour, and I'm so fortunate and happy that he came out on a nice, what was it, Monday morning, Zub? I think it was like a Monday morning he came out, and we took this conversation two-hour conversation. We're talking about politics. We're talking about world politics. We're talking about conversation, language, and how we can continue to make this civilization, to continue to make our society one of the most inclusive societies it has ever been, ever, in the history of the world. So, really excited for this episode. It's a big one. It's a long one. Thank you, Zuby, and uh, let's get on the bus. Zoo, welcome on the show, man. I appreciate it, man. How you doing? It's a good day, man. It's Monday morning. I get to talk to interesting people from all around the world. That's what podcasting is, man. The shows I get to produce, the people I get to talk to. It's uh, my own learning experience. Yeah, it's dope, man. It's uh, yeah, it's good to be here, man. I've been in LA for a week now. I'm sort of acclimatizing to it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all good. First time. What do you think? It's interesting, man. It's uh, it's a lot like how I thought it would be, but some stuff is a little more exaggerated maybe than I than I thought it would be so being from the UK and being someone to, who hasn't been to LA before you, there are certain things you you hear about or you see 
online or in movies or whatever and you're like okay that's probably uh, uh, an amplification or an exaggeration of that of that thing or of that stereotype or whatever but it seems like I've kind of seen all the stereotypes all the various ones in real life um, and it's kind of funny so I mean it's, it's a weird city it, it's very um, there are certain parts because I've, I've been around a decent amount I haven't been everywhere at all but it's weird how there there are some areas which are sort of you can tell like super duper upscale and and rich and wealthy and look fantastic and then there's other parts where i'm like wow this looks like a third world country which area um, was those do you make it to skid row i haven't been to skid row actually it, i've i've scary. seen it yes i've i've heard i've seen images and videos of it but i haven't yet been there myself but you know when people talked about stuff like the the homelessness or the drug addiction or whatever i always thought people were sort of exaggerating it a little bit because you know there's homelessness and and drug issues in in the uk to in other Mm -hmm. countries i've been to as well but um yeah there's some stuff i've seen here just in the short time i've been and i was like whoa you know i walked past a woman the other day who was literally just smoking a crack pipe like in broad like at 2 p.m yeah and brought i was like you don't see that in england you you (laughs) didn't there's nowhere in england where you see that you'll see You'll see homeless people, but you will not see anybody like doing drugs, just doing hard drugs in broad daylight. And Ooh. it wouldn't, they would be cracked down on very, very quickly. What about the San Francisco one? Do you see people like just dropping and taking a shit in the street? I haven't seen that, fortunately. Um, I am going to San Francisco after LA, though. So, uh, yeah. Get I'll, the poop uh, map I'll, so I'll, you don't <laughs> step in any shit. There's literally an app so you do oh, not crazy. step in poop when yeah. you walk around town. It, it's nuts, though, because it's weird, because I know these are both such. I mean, it's freaking expensive here. Mm. That's what—that's one other thing I've noticed. I mean, even coming from the UK, even compared to London, uh, certainly the food and stuff like that is. You no, know it's an expensive city. London. Yeah, yeah. London is an expensive city, but LA is certainly in terms of food is more expensive, mm-hmm. uh, quite considerably too, which sort of surprised me as well because I was like, okay, it'll be kind of like London, and then um, just how spread out everything is. Uh, Public transportation sucks. That's the thing I miss about yeah. New York. I love the metro, the subway, tube for you out there in the UK. It's like it's just so great to get around town mm. at two dollars. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, it's, oh, it's perfect. And it's just and it's easy. You know, it's just if you're in London and someone says, "Okay, meet me here," it's like no matter where you are in the city, it's mm-hmm. like okay, cool. You just pull up the map and you're like, okay, cool. I'll I'll be there in twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Here's a stretch. Whatever. And yeah. you have twenty million people who are trying to get you know yeah. twenty million in this greater Los Angeles area trying to get from A to B. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Yeah, so it, it's crazy. So I mean, I've I've met a lot of great people. Obviously, I've been been doing podcasts all the past week and interviews and featuring on all these cool things that mm-hmm. I've been a long time fan and viewer of. Um, the Joe Rogan one, obviously, is already out now as we record this, but I've, I've got a whole bunch of others that are going to be coming out, which I'm looking forward to. So yeah, met met a lot of great people, connected with a lot of my uh, you know people who I inverted commas know from online, from Twitter and stuff like that, mm-hmm. who uh, I've now met in person. Um, and yeah, it's been uh, a little bit little bit surreal in some ways, but um, it's cool. So I, I like it. I think I like it. Like, I don't know if it's, uh, I'd need to spend more time here to know if it's somewhere where I'd want to, you know, potentially mm. be long term. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of massive cities in general. Really? I, I tend to prefer, no, I like visiting them, but not really to live in. I lived in London for three years. Uh, I just think they're all overpopulated. I think once you get past about two million people, it's too many people for any one place. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Some people, some people love it. Some people are more like I'm in the middle. I'm not like a village, tiny town person. 
um, but I'm also not like a mega city, mega city person. I like to pop in and visit when I want to, but when it's time to just live and chill, I like somewhere that's got a lot of people, but not so many that there's constant traffic and everything's super expensive and it's just too crazy. Yeah, I feel like I have to be in it somehow. You know, like mm. New York was, it's too much. I can never feel like <laughs> home there. But I mean, here it's kind of like a residential neighborhood. And it like, is, yeah. You can, there's nuggets of, you know, the area where it's like, okay, I don't own a car out here either that I okay. can just get around those lime scooters. You're done okay. those scooters? I yet? haven't yet, actually. I've seen Man. them everywhere, though. Oh, they're great. Yeah. They, you get on one of those 15, 20 miles per hour, you're, you're cruising around town. And if you have to stay local, mm-hmm. you can't beat it. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. They, the, the value on things mm. and how we value things. Cause like you said, I think uh, you made a post about this last night, the sandwich you went in the store and the sandwich is not only massive. The food here is just ginormous yeah. in portions compared. It's like, okay, directly correlated to how people look their body mm. types and you know, obesity, which is like, it's insane how we try to blame it on, you know, people making us put these food, putting these foods out there. Well, we didn't know it had this in it. We didn't know nice. it's just, I mean, it's like, look at the size. Yeah. <laughs> directly correlated. But, you know, again, you go out the value because I think it's just amount of research. Like I go to restaurant, I go to a restaurant wholesale store. Okay. And I can buy chicken for 50 cents a pound. Oh, wow. And it's like you say, you go to a store, it's like, how much are you willing to go out? And I have a garden out there on the, the porch now. How much are you willing to go out there? Because you're not really just paying for the person to create it and no. the person to cook it. But you're going out there, you're paying for the land that the people have to rent to cook this in this establishment and the hourly wage. It's like, it's kind of understanding where your stuff comes from. Yeah, definitely. And what goes into it. And that's the thing that's lacking and that people get lost touch of, but you know, things cost money and you know, of course, man, it's easy to get the further you are removed from the source of anything, the easier it is to kind of lose track of, I guess what, what goes into it. And food would be a great example of that because it's, you know, it's so we're so disconnected. Most people, anyway, vast majority of people are so disconnected from the source of it that you know you just imagine it kind of grows in the grocery store. You you know deep down that it doesn't, but it's just like <laughs> yeah, you just, comes on styrofoam. You, and yeah, you just, wrap yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's, that's like, cow. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, you'll you'll come. I've come across people, for example, who won't eat meat if it still sort of looks like meat, so they can't have chicken that's got like the bone in it and stuff because. Like they can only eat like chicken breast fillets because it's so disconnected from the actual chicken itself that it doesn't wow. sort of play on their brains or they can eat fish fillets, <clears throat> but they can't eat fish if it looks like a fish still. There's people who, there are people who are like that, which kind of just, like I said, shows how disconnected. You think that's more of a social cultural from... thing? Do you think that's just a stigma thing? Cause I had a bu- woman who's a bug advocate on the show. Okay. She's really trying to push more towards, you know, on the sustainability side using insects. You know, oh, okay. Well, what to eat. Yeah, nu- 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 yeah uh, nutrient-wise, I'm, sh- I'm not joining that one. <laughs> but that's the thing. Why aren't you going to? Is it because you know we have this stigma of you know I'm bugs coming around, e- they're dirty or I'm whatever? Not insects, man. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll 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 taste I'll taste it, but I'm not switching from meat to insects. But like I said, what if it was like mixed in like a cricket powder that you didn't know? Like oh wow, I eat this brownie. Yeah, I know there's cricket bread and stuff like that. Like I'll, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Um. Listen, I'm a big I, meat guy. I know, I, I know, I know the, I know nutritionally in terms of protein and stuff. You know, I know it's decent, but um, nah, you're not gonna. <laughs> I mean, it would probably work in somewhere like L.A. where you know people have a different mentality. But if you start going to, I don't know, certainly developing parts of the world and start trying to push them to eat crickets, then yeah. they're, they're going to tell you to go away. Probably in not not such not such nice terms. <laughs> <laughs> completely. completely. <laughs> um, no, the the most interesting one she put out there was using the this uh, insect in, in feed 
for fish oh, okay. and for cattle or, you know, and then completely taking out the idea of subsidizing all the land for feeding you know, cattle insects using that in the feed, not completely that, mm. but the kind of pellets, you know, they would use fish farms and all that. And because this has a whole complete uh, nutrition value from mm. minerals um, to, you know, magnesium, salts, branch chain yeah. amino acids that's that the bugs have. That's not what cows are meant to be eating though, is it? Yeah, I think the cows are supposed to be eating grass anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> corn. Yeah, there's, <laughs> I mean, fish, fair enough. Like fish eat insects yeah. anyway, but um, cows, yeah. I know, I know they're already being fed all kinds of unnatural stuff for in large parts, but I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> You've had a unique experience for just for your reasons for coming out here. Yeah. You know, your background is, you know, you're just rapper. You have that great book you just put out about, you know, getting people uh, in shape, yeah, being healthy, you. making accountability is really like the thing. It's, and it's interesting where the movement's going towards of what our jobs are going to be like. We're trying to teach people how to live mm. and be human and, you know, take in the most of their experience because our, our time is short on life. And, you know, part of being like an internet personality, you have that video of breaking the woman's deadlifting mm -hmm. record. And would you say that's just like the thing that's like people have drawn most attention to? It's certainly something that uh, sort of blew the, blew the gates open for me. Mm -hmm. So I've been grinding since 2006. So I released my first album, Commercial Underground, when I was in university, 2006, so well over a decade ago. Um, I've put out five albums, three EPs, done well over 100 Bravo, shows and man. eight. Thanks, man. Doing and production like that's just so, it's so hard <laughs> to actually go out there and commit and uh, yeah, yeah. So, finish it all up. Good stuff. Yeah, so I mean, anyone who's been following my career for sort of even more than one or two years is aware of how much groundwork and how many seeds have been planted along the way. So what happened with that when that video went viral is it brought a lot of attention very quickly towards me and what I was doing. And I think that, you know, if you on Twitter, people go viral all the time. People mm -hmm. go viral all the time, but most people don't capital aren't able to capitalize on it and gain from it in the way that I was because most people haven't built anything beyond that little viral moment. Whereas with me, it's like, okay, I've, oh, cool. This guy's got all this music. He's got a podcast. He's got interesting ideas. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's into fitness. So I already had both an existing fan base and an audience and then a lot of stuff. So once the attention turned my way, it was like, cool, there's something there for people to stick around for. So not just to see, okay, that little nine second video, haha, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Press like and then go away and you don't even remember the person's name. In that case, it was like, ah, okay. It was, it was like different layers for it. So that caught a lot of people's attention. But then the attention stayed because there was a lot more. There's a lot more to me than that than that video. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's been interesting. It, it is weird how of all the stuff I've put out there and every, <laughs> right. everything I've done, the stuff I've put money into, the stuff I've put effort into, whether it's music videos or songs or albums or whatever it's strange that that little video clip from a gym training session that i shot on my phone got more attention than almost all of that stuff combined and it just sort of created that moment which has led to i mean if it weren't for that moment i wouldn't be here yeah the right? legion that came yeah from yeah that every, like every, yeah everything that came from i mean that was over six months ago that I posted that now about six, yeah, over six months ago, but it's just been, you know, I just kind of, I've just kept stoking the fire and had several, in fact, I've had a couple of tweets that have gone more viral 
than that one since then. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had one that got over a quarter of a million quarter of a million likes which is mm. like four times as many as that as that deadlift one that was i've had i've had a like i've gone viral i go viral every couple of weeks basically um and each time it can potentially be bigger because the audience has just grown and grown and grown you know at the beginning of the year i had across all my social media platforms at the beginning of this year i had about fifty thousand people and it's now about it's rapidly approaching 200k and that's just um, only going to keep going up. Yeah, and it's up just and everything's going to keep Especially growing. Especially after this man. trip out here, man. Dude, every, everything's going to keep growing, and I want everything to keep growing. I've, I've, I've got ridiculous um, goals and things I want to achieve in this lifetime. So I'm not someone who puts a ceiling or a cap on what I'm capable of. People are like, oh, how many people do you want to reach? I'm, I'm like, I always tell people, like, look, I want to have a positive impact on over 10 million people. And even 10 million, that's not like a cap. That's like a goal. Um, and I know I'm capable of achieving that given the time. And to some people that might sound arrogant or deluded or too far, but it's like, nah, man, I know what I'm, I know what I'm capable of and I know what I'm here for. And as long as that road is open, then I'm going to keep on pushing because I've got not just one message. I think I've got a lot of messages and just a whole perspective that I want to share with as many people as possible. Um, and I think it's important for me to do that. I think it's a massive shame to have potential and not at least try to fulfill it. In fact, that's something that frustrates me a lot. I'm someone who's big on just, you know, doing my own thing and personal responsibility and trying to encourage that same thing in others. And also at the same time, being very wary of not trying to control other people in any way, shape or form. But one thing that frustrates me most is untapped potential. You know, when I see someone who's got just potential and capability of doing this or that or being better in so many ways and they're kind of just not interested in doing it um, for, for various reasons. That's something I, I personally find a little bit frustrating, um, maybe just because I'm, I'm just wired in a way that I'm kind of obsessed with all forms of self-improvement and you don't drink coffee so i mean you're 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 wired you're i don't wired drink much, on those dude. beliefs and those tenants i don't drink much man I, I don't drink alcohol i don't drink coffee i don't i don't i'm high on life man um <laughs> but but I, I stay fired up by it because i know what my, what my mission is where do those beliefs come from whether you're that drive you um god my family um i've got incredible parents my own personality type i've got quite a rare personality type which just and I've which I've always had, which just makes me extremely determined and persistent and quite immune to criticism and hate in a way. Like I just keep going. I'm not someone who can be brought down by mean words or <laughs> or criticism or Twitter mobs or whatever scale it comes at. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ha, bring it. Um, this is brilliant. This is a promotion for me. Let me how, how let me monetize this. So <laughs> you know, I, I that that's that's just how I am. You know, I'm not someone who's very emotionally sensitive either. So that can that can sometimes be a. It's normally a good thing. You know, sometimes it's sometimes it's not. Sometimes I can you know come across a little bit insensitive to certain people who aren't aware of the way that I communicate or whatever because I can be a little bit direct and blunt. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it means I'm pretty immune to, I don't know, I guess any form of like depression or anxiety or anything like that. I don't stay down long at all. 
I really don't stay down long at all. You know, something can happen. I can be having the best day in the world or the worst day in the world, and most people can't tell because I'm just kind of constant. Mm. I'm just constant. I just kind of keep going and doing. Yeah, you don't I'm realize doing. it. Like if you're like, well, you're a content machine. You're out there running around <laughs> doing stuff, and I'm like, am I? Like, why is no, someone else not putting out three videos a week on YouTube and yeah. a podcast once, sometimes twice a week? Like, isn't that normal? Nah, there's well, more. There's more I can be doing too, man. There's more I'm gonna do. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. I come from a background of college professional athletes i've yeah. been it's almost like you were trained like as a spartan you're not trained for warfare but just the training regiments the waking up three four five six times seven times a week playing at eight different teams at once i remember as like a nine-year-old kid it's just like that discipline like i mean just luckily i kept that yeah i kept that on were you uh did you play sports or yeah man did you get that uh yeah yeah you get that crazy side of uh discipline where'd you get it from yeah so um yeah i did a bunch of sports when i was a kid i at least tried a lot of things uh, things I was in teams for, I was on a swimming team for a while from the age of like five. Um, Waking I did, up at five, going in the pool over early. I don't, I don't think I had to wake up that early, to okay. be honest with you. We had some swimmers back in the Okay, uh, yeah. Like, they had to do that. <laughs> just like, you guys are nuts. Yeah, so, I mean, over the course of my life, yeah, I mean, I've done swimming, uh, baseball, football, what you'd call soccer. I've, I've tried American football once. Um, I've the, the, My main sport was rugby. So when I was in my, in my teenage years and in university, I played rugby for about 10 years between the ages of 11 and 21. That was my, my main sport. That was the sport that I was the best at. Um, and then I got into like bodybuilding when I was 16 or so and started, started training like that, primarily initially because of rugby, just to get stronger and fitter and make sure I was the person dealing the damage rather than sustaining it. Came <laughs> <laughs> with me in basketball too, man. Too many concussions, yeah. too many neck and back injuries. Like, yeah. I want to enjoy myself. Yeah, man. Yeah. But then I've, I've dabbled in tons of other sports. Not 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 played in teams or taken them seriously, but bas- basketball, tennis, water polo, <laughs> like just a- anything, athletics. Well, anything to compete in, I imagine. Yeah, oh, yeah. Competition. I've well, tried my hand at most things. You know, badminton, pool, table tennis. Yeah, I've I'm, I've thrown my like. I'm not I'm not great at most of these sports, but um, I've I've tried them and. Yeah, it's good to. I'm very open minded in that regard. You know, I do like I like trying new things. I like going to new places and stuff like that. Even if it's something I've even I've even been skiing, which I completely suck at. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's on my to do list. I need to get yeah, out. There. Yeah, yeah, I've I've tried it. <laughs> I think I was six when I my first tried it. It's like, yeah, I got to get back out there. It's yeah. good for me too. I don't even look at it as like, oh, I got to be good at it. Just, I need sometimes a good ego demoralizing. Yeah, like, yeah, I can't do something I'm not comfortable with. Yeah, just to bring me down back to earth. Yeah, look, like, I'm, oh. I'm someone who's like, uh, I'm very open about stuff I'm good at and very open about stuff I'm bad at. Mm-hmm. Right? If I'm if someone asks me if I'm good at something, some things I'm like, yeah, I'm awesome at that. And people be like, oh, you know, you're not very modest. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be modest about that. But at the same time, if I suck at something, I'll be like, yeah, I suck at that. I'm just, yeah. I'm just very, I'm very on, I'm more, even more honest with myself than I am with other people. And I'm extremely honest with other people. Mm. So, and again, that's just part of my personality. Yeah, I've always thought there's a weird, I think it comes from, at least in the States, the puritanical background mm-hmm. of like this overemphasis, emphasizing or emphasization. I don't know which word, proper ending I'd put right there on like being humble mm-hmm. and it's just like you know to show any you know pizzazz we'll call it you know or demeanor of like that not, not being overly confident but mm-hmm. just like proud and you know what you can do and your talents like mm-hmm. we still kind of deter people from that oh like, gosh away you from need, that. If i disagree completely you think we're if you're comparing it to the uk and europe right. in general oh well, i heard the uk especially with humor and british uh, humor um, americans are a lot 
better at bigging themselves up mm-hmm. than British people are. In the U- in the UK, it's far more frowned upon. In fact, that's something I pr- I like about the US. A lot of people in the UK have this view of uh, Americans being too exceptionalist or brash or loud or kind of cocky about yeah America like Team USA number one. <laughs> I think that's cool. Like I like that. Like a lot of Americans are like think that the USA is the best country in the world. You won't find a lot of British people who will who will say out loud that they think that the UK or Britain is the best country in the world. Right? They find it very gauche to say that. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, whereas in the USA, even if the people who haven't traveled outside of it will be like, "Yeah, USA is best country." And like, <laughs> you know, whether whether or not I agree, I'm kind of like I like that. You know, I like that patriotism. I like that uh, just positivity and. Yeah, you know, it's, I don't know, because in Britain they have that kind of phrase, like, uh, stiff upper lip. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know, if, don't know if you've heard that, which is kind of like just always being, having a level of modesty and holding back to some degree and whatever, which which can be fine. It, it's like there's pros and cons to, to both things. I don't think people should be arrogant. I don't think people should think they're superior to others and stuff like that, obviously. Um, but at the same time, it's good to have a level of a level of pride and self-esteem and confidence and not kind of constantly be self-deprecating or berating yourself or whatever. It can be done. You know, that can be, that's part of having a sense of humor. Uh, it's, it's annoying having someone who can't take a joke about themselves or can't joke about themselves, can't take themselves way too seriously. Like that's that's no fun. Um, but it's a. Uh, it's a balance. It's a balance. I like optimism. Mm-hmm. And I find that the U.S. is generally an optimistic country. I know that's you can't really speak for over 300 million people, but I do find that just like individuals have personalities, as you know, you see someone who's traveled a lot, I'm sure you'll also find that cities and even countries also have personalities to a degree. It doesn't mean that everyone <laughs> in that country <laughs> shares that same thing, but yeah. generally... It's like Paris. I enjoy Paris. I love the etiquette, you know, mm. talking about very brash, you know, yeah. very elitism. I love it. I love yeah. the experience, <laughs> and that's great, but to live there, it's like, no, 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 that, that one's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, take yeah. a step back from that one. Yeah. And, no, I, I, I've gotten that appreciation from traveling. I've gotten, because I've, I've seen places, mm. spent some times in slums. I've been mm-hmm. mugged. I've been beat up, you know going here living there i wanted to learn about the middle east so i took a job coaching basketball and learn more about muslims yeah. it was one of the part of my jobs like you know to, uh, september 11th like wh- wh- who are these people yeah, who yeah. are actually people I, I read enough learn stuff let's i'm i'm the whole different side i'm mm. gonna go all in mm-hmm. let's go live there let's experience it for myself and um it was an amazing experience so you know people are people no oh, matter gosh, where yeah. you go but you know, I got my being proud of being an American, you know, just like, wow, like come back here. Like you said, you know, you get, get an 18 foot sandwich. Like, <laughs> can't do that everywhere. Like, no. guys, like you walk to the grocery store. I remember as a kid, because my uh, family's from Eastern Europe and we had one of our relatives come over, brought her into a grocery store in Florida and she started crying. Crying. She, wow. This is like just post Soviet Union. Oh, okay. like Belarus just got yeah, into yeah. its own, um, became its own country and she's mm. just like crying. Like she had never seen that much that food, much food yeah. i remember as a kid like being four years old and seeing this and just yeah. like you don't really take it in then but i can go back now and being coming going to those countries like ukraine and stuff like whoa yeah where's your family originally from a belarus, belarus and okay. poland yeah okay cool and they migrated I've been to poland but not belarus middle of the war pre-war mm-hmm. world war ii um you said you've been to poland right i've been to poland yeah where'd you go 
I've been uh, only to Krakow. It's beautiful there, yeah. man. That yeah, big yeah. town square, I could just walk around there. Like, yeah, four dope. or five laps. I love Central and Eastern Europe. That's my favorite part of the world. Those, those cities that are untapped by the war. Like, again, we talk about you know appreciation of, we want to say, Western culture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, there's a lot of beauty and a lot of grace and just a lot of just... You know, appreciation of coming together to build these that huge town square that's in Krakow. You know, or go checking out these huge, you know, monasteries, steeples, churches. You know, it's, it's beautiful, man. It is. <laughs> so yeah, no, look it, at that stuff. It is, man. I mean, it's, it's important for, you know, you get some people who say stuff like, "Oh, traveling is overrated," or I'm like, "No, I think traveling is super, super duper important." Um, just in terms of perspective, mm-hmm. you know, perspective, and also. Perspective and gratitude are the the sort of two dead horses that I that I am always beating because I think that those are just two things that a lot of people in modern Western society are lacking, and it, it's very clear and very obvious and very apparent to me that a lot of people just lack perspective and lack gratitude, right? And it's it's what leads to a lot of other problems, you know, when people are constantly complaining and you know whining about this or trying to blame this on that person or on the system or on the man and it's so much of that stems from lack of gratitude and lack of perspective because you have people who i try to always compare things to reality and to other places so if i'm comparing if someone's like okay what are what are your thoughts on the uk or the usa in 2019 or whatever okay I'm typically going to be comparing them to other countries around the world currently, as well as those same countries historically. And if you do that, it's very hard not to be extremely grateful. Okay, It's hard to think of a time or place that would be better to be in, especially for like everybody, regardless of what skin color you are, what sexuality you are, what gender you are, whatever... It's really hard to say to name another decade or place in general that's better, right? Mm-hmm. There aren't that many people who can say that they're worse off than their grandparents. They're really like it's there aren't there aren't a lot of people who can say that, right? So so that that's always my perspective whereas you have a lot of people who are always comparing stuff to some kind of imagined utopia. So it's like, yeah, of course things can be better and everybody wants things to get better. There are still problems, no question. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like, man, we are so blessed. We are so fortunate. Like the amount of like, look, look at what we're doing. We're, we're here making a podcast and a video, which you can then beam out to people all over the world. You can do it in real time. Everyone can watch it. It can, you know, you've got these little micro high tech computers and HD cameras that everyone's walking around with. You can chat with anybody anywhere for free in real time. Like people are generally healthy, people are living long. Too much food is a bigger problem than not enough food. I mean, I mean, it's like it, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's not that long ago where freaking you know you go back. Even if you look at the twentieth century, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't need to go back that far. You go in the twentieth century, and some people who are still alive in their lifetimes, right? They had world world wars, like not just. A con- not two countries being at war, like a world war where for four or five years and you've got all these huge countries, hundreds, tens of millions of people yeah. being killed left, right and center, people being oppressed, people being forced. Like it's 
it's just nuts. And then you look at stuff now and you're like, ah, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, things are pretty good. It wasn't that long ago that, you know, slavery was legal. People had, people had slaves for like thousands of years. People were just dying. Women were dying in childbirth. There was no, there was no antibiotics. You get a cut on your leg and you die because you, you, you get gangrene or you get infected and people are getting the plague and I'm just a hundred like, years ago yeah. was what's called the Spanish flu that killed 50 yeah, million people takes, around the world. That one was a pandemic. Just takes people out. And it, After it, World War One, too. Yeah. We already lost tens of millions of people yeah, and it, now we got a pandemic. Yeah, it's nuts. And then that, so that's the historic perspective. And then just looking at other countries, you know, uh, like you said, your family background is originally from Eastern Europe. So you're aware of the history there. Um, you know, my background is originally from Nigeria, which is a country where, you know, on the come up, lots of great things there, but you've still got a lot more sort of real and immediate problems than you do say in the UK mm-hmm. or in America or if you talk about poverty like the poverty there's a whole different whole different level um, and and that's the story for most people around the world you know there are billions of people around the world who are trying to who would love to come to these countries and that's for that's for a reason yeah right? that's for that's for a reason and you know we're, we're very blessed you don't choose you don't choose where you're born or who you're born to so it's not like we did something. When I say we, I mean anybody who's gets to be born between imaginary. Yeah, lives. yeah, yeah. Anybody, yeah, anybody born point in these of space and time on Earth. It's, yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. Something to wake up every it day. It really is. It really is. And when when you kind of take that all in and remind yourself of it quite constantly, it's hard to stay negative or pessimistic or whatever. Like it's to me that that's kind of what drives me. I'm like, gosh, look at this opportunity. How can I squander this? How can I spend all my time? whining and complaining about how bad everything is and now i'm like dude like this opportunity my ancestors would have my ancestors would slap me if they saw me complaining <laughs> if they saw me complaining about this so you know let's let's make the most of it yeah i think uh my mom's grandmother is talking about how they used to just make sour cream they would just take some milk and bury it in the ground because it was so cold mm. Just to make sour cream so they could have it with maybe some potatoes that they, yeah. they farmed. Like yeah. that that summer so they have for winter. It's just like the the ground was the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's it was, insane. It was brutal, man. It was brutal. I mean, I was just, um, I, I love beef jerky. So okay. I like, it's one of the things I always buy when I'm in the States because it's. Uh, Don't have it out there? You do get it in the UK, but it's even more expensive. The taxes and in the UK. I know yeah. it's cereal too. They yeah. tax the hell out of cereal. Yeah. American cereal coming in there. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know what yeah. that's for. Some American cereals pretty lethal. Some of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, what was I saying? So I was I was actually just talking to some people yesterday, kind of, kind of about the history of it a little, right? Because it was that's how they used to preserve the meat. Yeah. All right. They had to because they didn't have fridges, so they'd have to just really heavily salt it and season it so that they could, and then dry it so that it wouldn't spoil really really quickly. So now it's like okay, this is just a snack you eat now, but that used to just be like a necessity for a survival or you'd have one bad harvest and you know people uh, people used to just try to make it through the winter like mm-hmm. that was the goal right just, let's just make it through the winter and hopefully you know i don't know man it's it's nuts when i look at stuff in history i'm just like all my jaw always drops and i'm just like man like <laughs> this is just this is just well that's why that's why travel is so important i think that americans need to do need to do because we are we are kind of cut off you know, those two oceans being able to connect with the rest of the world or even, you know, with the other Americas, you know, yeah. is really America, you know, South Americans. When I was down there. They get so mad. No, no, no. Don't call us South America. This is America. Yeah. You know, Central, North, South. We're all one. 
Wall one America. Yeah, there's different places all in between, but this is America. Mm. And, you know, we, we lose touch without going to places. And yeah, it's great that a lot of Americans have that pride. And I, I, I do love that part. Yeah. You know, hey, we're the best, you know, yeah. and it's, but if they could see their impact to people, the rest of the world, and see how much people either either love the U.S. or don't love the U.S. Mm-hmm. or you know, understand, because I mean, whether it's the laws we pass here, drug laws that you know are shaping sixty other countries' drug laws, mm-hmm. there, you know, that's just one crazy thing of an idea to think about, um, or even like I think of pop culture, mm-hmm. music, entertainment's like yeah. one of the biggest ones. Oh, dude, I mean, the U.S. is a leader. Yeah, the U.S. is a leader. I mean, outside of I mean, biggest population in the Western world by a huge, huge margin. It's the third most populous country in the world, right? You've got um, China and India, which have both well over a billion people. Mm. And then USA comes in third. Are we? Yeah, USA comes in third. And that's the most in the Western world. So in terms of the West and the globe as a whole, I mean, the U.S. is really a leader in a lot of these things, whether they're cultural or... Um, political or social or anything like that. I mean, I don't know how, yeah, I think a lot of people might not really be aware of that or might not, might be a bit resistant to it or want it, but it's so much of stuff stems from, a lot of it stems from here. You know, mm-hmm. I think British people in particular are probably a little like resistant to that because they're like, oh, like you know, they're from us, <laughs> which, which, you know, is, 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 is true historically, especially with, with the, you know, the language and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I I always say that when the U.S. sneezes, the U.K. catches a cold. Interesting. So um, a lot of people ask me why I talk about stuff that's going on in the U.S. a lot. Sometimes I comment on it more than what's going on in the U.K. Um, part of that is because I have a bigger audience in the U.S. than I do in the U.K. But, um, really? Yeah. Is that via YouTube or how, how, do you, how do you measure that? Every, via Twitter every, as well? Every, every social media platform got more followers from the u.s than the uk same with my podcast it's like with your probably with your message i mean your message yeah you know, it's, it's also population you know you got five times as many people of course. so you know bigger bigger potential audience so but yeah part, part of that is because there there's like a ripple effect so if something is happening in the u.s or there's like a certain trend or whatever it can be something serious or something not serious it could be a style of clothing it could be you know a type of music but what'll often happen is it'll start there and then it'll kind of trickle down into other places. So there might be a certain production style that you're hearing in music that comes out of Atlanta or California or whatever mm-hmm. and becomes quite popular here. And then in sort of six to 12 months, it used to be a longer period pre um, internet and social media, but now it's kind of like, okay, between sort of six months and two years, you'll start to see that f- style filter down into the uk music mm. and the music in germany and france and japan and whatever except in russia it takes like 20 years to, get to <laughs> russia especially clothing style i think they're still wearing mullets and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh fleece jackets like with different colors on them from yeah it just takes time <laughs> to get there but that was the thing that kind of broke you know communism and, and mm. um it's like oh wow these people have you know like you said you can see something on tv or the radio and they're getting signals out there and it's like we're starving and mm-hmm. these people got 18 foot sandwiches like we're talking about like <laughs> well, hold on hold on maybe this thing isn't right like yeah. maybe there's something that's not working here and then everything came down with the economy and the money and we saw oh wow they don't have as much money as they had and um yeah communism fell but i mean mm-hmm. that's one of the big proponents of you know spreading and enhancing that message out to the rest of the world of just anything's possible i mean especially yeah. in today's day and age because of this is the most inclusive time oh, we've dude. ever no, lived no, in. no question and the thing is pe- some people get angry when you say that they do. That's the weirdest thing. 
I mean, I, I had, um, there was a tweet a couple of weeks ago, maybe like a month or two ago that I posted where I say that, where I said something like the following things are at an all time low in the Western world. Oh God. And I put racism, sexism, oh, man, you're homophobia, asking for <laughs> white supremacy, absolute poverty. Like I had a whole list of stuff. You of, put yourself with, out there with that one. And <laughs> it was so interesting to see the responses, right? Because it kind of showed who's the optimist and who's the pessimist amongst mm-hmm. the people who saw it, right? Because the people who are optimistic and see the world, you know, see the glass half full, they were like, yeah, that's right. You know, cool. You know, and the stuff's not perfect, but that's true. Like these things are far less than they were in previous decades. Just even 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hard, you know, and then other people are like, oh, what? What are your what's your source for stats for that? Or you you can't say that? Or oh, that's not true. He's saying there's no more racism. I'm like, no, I didn't say that. You read that? I didn't say it. People do that a lot. Um, oh yeah. And it, it's just weird how people almost don't want to. People are so resistant to that. Like people were genuinely getting angry that I said that. And I was like, why would you be angry about that? That's a good. This is a good thing. This is showing people are progressing. Things are progressing. People are let more open. People are more tolerant. People are less bigoted. No matter what stripe creed or color you are you're far more likely to be accepted and be treated equally and just be able to live your life than you would have been in the 19 let alone before the 1900s but you know 19 would you rather be in 1910 no 1920 no 1930s no 40s 50s 60s no 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 and so it's like okay so i'm right (laughs) you see what i mean like would you rather be a uh black lesbian woman in 1950 or 2019 that'd be dangerous you know what i mean would you rather be uh like whoever doesn't matter what permutation like any anybody it's mm-hmm. like look we're, we're we're better off society is is more open it's better this is this is good doesn't mean everything is perfect no but i never said that um but yeah that's uh that's just an interesting observation. Yeah, there's that stiff upper lip thing, like you mentioned about the UK, <laughs> and kind of having that sense of modesty. I think there's a little bit of self-loathing mm. that comes into that. And that, I think that's really, really, really perpetuated and grown a little bit in the US in the mm. past, like, I'd say 20 years. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a th- thing that comes up from the left, mm-hmm. is that people say, hey, no, 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 no. This is not good. This is bad. And again, but they're never really talking about their own experience. Mm-mm. They're talking about the experience of someone else. And they're speaking on behalf mm-hmm. of someone else. Like, I, well, there's racism's been down. White supremacy, there's, I mean, there's no lynchings in the no. United States that I know <laughs> of. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing. It's, it's like, and what people do is they have to keep expanding the definition in order to fit their narrative. So they'll now say, oh, white supremacy no longer means what it used to. It now means this. You know, you're hearing people talking about multi-ethnic white supremacists. You know, I've had people call me a white supremacist because and, and you're just like, what are you even talking about? Like white supremacy has this. <laughs> it, has, it has a specific meaning. It means that you think white people are superior to other races and or and or you think that there should be some kind of ethno state consisting only of those people. And in extreme cases, it means you think that, you know, other races or colors or whatever should be exiled or exterminated or what like that's what that's what it means that's that's the definition that's not a mutable thing that you can just change wishy-washy um so firstly to call a black person that is 
totally ridiculous, right? There's is this a white person that, telling you that you're that? Yeah, it, this happened a few times as well. It's like, like there's no <laughs> such thing as a black, like there's no black person in the world who is a white supremacist. Like that doesn't even make, it's illogical. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And, but then, the, you know, they'll try to come up with some new academic de definition of, no, it means that you, you're supporting this. And you're just like, look, stop, stop, like just, you know you're you're they're massively diluting what these words mean and just it's just divisive it's not it's not helpful it's not useful you're trying to create problems where they don't exist this is the, this is the thing people do a lot right trying mm -hmm. to create problems and issues where they don't really exist because for their narrative and certain political agendas you need there to be problems for you to kind of have something to do you give us so, an example can I give an example? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah sure. I, I can give an example of what we're literally just right now talking about, right? If so, if you're, this is a okay. So I'm not not to get super political, but no, you can. You one can. We of Trump straws on the table. Yeah, you do fine. have you do have Trump straws here. So <laughs> one of the key things with left wing politics in general. I mean, I'm not a left winger. I I, I never have been, never will be, um, but. It's reliant on having societal, structural, systemic issues and problems or levels of um, oppression or bigotry or racism, sexism. Like it's always been based on achieving this sort of this equality. Okay. Yeah, which, like which, a balance. Yeah. Which, which inherently is fine. And I'm, I'm in favor of, I believe everybody should be treated equally under the law and socially as much as possible and whatnot right but and that that's all been good for all these decades where we've been talking about there being genuine genuine oppression genuine racism genuine like like, like high levels of all these things so you have needed people to say hey look these boundaries are in the wrong place we need to we need to restructure some stuff here we need to change this law we need to change that law right now can anyone give me a law on the books in the UK or the USA that is racist or sexist in 2019? Mm. No. No. You probably, you could, you arguably could have done up until, when was gay marriage legalized? I think it was Obama 2009. 2009? Okay. want to say? So I would say that was the final law that actually this hat was had discriminatory elements as in like these people can do this but these people can't do this mm -hmm. okay that that was like the last thing to fall and i don't think it's a lot of people i've never seen i haven't seen many people make this observation so i'll make it now and i've noticed that the stage where the modern left seemed to start going a little bit off the rails was following that because it was almost like you're now looking for... So you, you've now achieved actual equality, at least under the law of everything, pretty much, right? You've, you've had the women's rights movement. You've had the civil rights movement to get, you know, get people to vote for women, for black people. Equality in, in the laws and treating people fairly in businesses and employment at universities. That's all been achieved now. So you we're now in this stage where people are looking for invisible racism and invisible sex like they're looking for things like looking under every racism in the green new deal that's the new big one yeah they're, they're trying to that people are now trying to find it in places where it doesn't even exist which is why you're starting to hear these terms 
bandied around more now. You now hear the, you hear the term white supremacy more now in 2019 than you ever did in 2015 or 2010 or 2005, 2000. It was like that hasn't been a thing for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like that that was dealt with a while ago. You might still get like a couple hand at most probably a couple thousand. I'd imagine in the entire USA out of 330 million people, whatever it is, I'd imagine I'd be shocked if there are more than 5,000 actual white supremacists. Yeah. I would be shocked if probably not even that many, right? Less than a percent. Yeah. So does it exist? Yes. But why are people talking about it as if this is like there's some new rise of it or there's a new rise of fascism? People are talking about fascism all of a sudden. People are talking about this. People And, and you're like, what are you what are you talking about? But I think it's because you have all these people who are very activist minded and who want to get hyped up and emotional in something they want to get out on the streets with their signs and they want to protest something, but they don't even know what it's aimed at. Right. You see these um, the women's march that they did in January or February where they yeah. wore the, the pink pussy hats and they marched. They didn't even know what they were marching for. They say we're marching for we're marching for women's rights. Which ones? What do you want? We're marching for, we want equality for women. Well, there's a new woman's like, uh, act or law that's uh, they're trying to put in the uh, okay. Equality Act. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, I forgot the constraints. Is this the one that makes my deadlift record valid? It might. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I've listened to a few women who um, are part of getting this bill passed. It's like a whole amendment. Okay. Um, they lay out in the law. Again, I don't know off the top of my head. I want to speak but entirely on it. But there's certain things that there aren't equality for women in certain things, whether it's their bodies or this or that. And so what, what specifically? I, I, like I said, I, there's one. There's only one thing I can think of that men are allowed to do that women aren't. There's only one thing I can think of, mm-hmm. and that is be topless in public. That's literally the only thing I can think of and I'm aware of that men can legally do that women legally cannot should they be i don't know i can <laughs> i i don't know i don't think most guys would complain but um that's that's literally the only actual law mm-hmm. like if we're talking actual laws and regulations that there might there might be something else that i'm i'm not aware of anyone listening to this can make me aware if i'm if i'm missing some huge thing but that's the only thing i can actually think of where it's like okay men can do that but women can't it's funny i did a um, topless podcast with this one uh <laughs> um photo-based journalist and she okay. was doing a whole free the nipple campaign because her <laughs> whole stuff's on nude photography and instagram yeah. and facebook yeah. you know prevent her from posting photos of women topless in this yeah. artistic form and so um we did a topless podcast and even though <laughs> We got uh, some nipple pasties, some pictures of my nipples, and we stuck yeah. them on her nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and even Facebook and Instagram, like, it was wasn't okay with them. Like, yeah. I, I finally just got publishing rights back on Facebook because yeah. they were like, "You you went against our you know codes and guidelines mm-hmm. of our of what our, our, our platform's about." Yeah. And she actually just had this huge party, this huge topless party in this big club in New York. Okay. Because again, it's like because in New York City, you're allowed to be topless. Okay. Interesting. Ma- male or woman, but yeah. you don't see. You know, you have one old lady who goes to Times Square every day yeah, and does it as a I thing. Don't, but I don't think that many people would really want to for, for various yes. reasons, you know. It, it, nobody's going to go out there. It's like yeah. when weed was finally legalized or when drinking was finally yeah. legalized again. It's like. Yes. But but look, if, if that's the if that's the fight, if it's the hashtag free the nipple campaign, then, you know, things are pretty good. If that's the thing that, that's there to complain about and that's mm. that's the thing that's unequal, then um, as someone who grew up in Saudi Arabia, I can certainly say that. You know, oh, it's pretty good. Like that's a, 
<laughs> y'all, y'all have done pretty well. Like, yeah, that's not a, that's not that serious. Getting to live in uh, Islamic culture mm-hmm. is very different. Yeah, it's than totally to different live out here. Yeah, it's totally different. Um, just being on a date with a woman, even though it's you know two three in the morning and you know people are out mm-hmm. there, you know it's, it's so safe. Mm-hmm. You can walk around, do what you want. But I remember I was on a date with this girl, and she was as progressive and left wing and open to this. But when seven dudes walked by, <laughs> she grabbed my arm like yeah. she was my my property. Yeah, she was yeah. with me. Yeah. And because she's like, yeah, I, I just don't know what could possibly happen. Yeah, it's, I it's, wasn't yeah. right on your arm like that. It's different, man. I always say, look, if you want to see a real patriarchy, I mean, I can I can show you one. But it's not a you're not going to find it in England or America. No. no. It's not there. No. There's this amazing video online. I wish I could pull it up right now. It's um, some communist meeting. And everybody's... Mm. Point of personal privilege. Yes, that's the one. Point of personal <laughs> privilege. Can we all stop talking? It's very, very hard to focus right now. I'm very prone to sensitive overload. Point of personal privilege. Please do not use gendered language when addressing the audience. I'm so happy you know that. <laughs> of course I know it. <laughs> I was tweeting about it for a day. <laughs> God, that's a great one. I had a day where I was starting almost every tweet with point of personal privilege. <laughs> Someone said I should call my next tour that. Uh, point of personal privilege. Tour. That would be a great, great yeah. tour. And you saw they were doing the jazz hands because they couldn't clap. They were doing that too? You didn't? No, no one claps in the video because the clapping triggers them. So, yeah, they just, do, they just wave the jazz hands. I was like, how do these people get function God. in real life? This is when I'm like, man, we need a war. It, it's it's sad to think that, but like a crazy catastrophe or even war, oh, it's like kind of the thing society and cultures still kind of need because things are just so good. And people <laughs> are, things are so good in life and society that people have to reflect on what's not going right and what is going wrong. That's what I said. I was just yeah. talking earlier about people finding problems when they don't exist because that, that's where we are. People, we're comfortable. You know, things things are pretty good for most people. I mean, there, again, there's real problems. You know, we've said, I've been, been in L.A., there's tens of thousands of homeless people. There's, there are certain issues. you got to drive, drive through it, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's scarier than a third world country. It's yeah. scarier than, that's a pretty negative Broad state, right yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what you mean. I know, it's, I know what you mean. scarier yeah. than any place I've been. Mm. And, I mean, even though I was rode my bike through, I had to get through that part of town. And it was like... Like seeing like abandoned tents and rats, just only rats in there. It's like, is there a dead person in there? Or is there, wow. like you said, the drug usage, the needles on the ground. And there's, there's cops there just to moderate it. But it's like a, a giant smell and cloud of just urine, mm-hmm. like just all it's over the place. Dystopian. Very like, dystopian. Like I'm getting chills thinking about it. And I, yeah. I guess I've seen some things, but like that was, how can I get through this with my bike as fast yeah. as possible? I'm, I'm, I don't want to stop here. Yeah, it, it, it is very weird. It is very weird. Um, I, I maybe I'll, maybe I'll go through it. Uh, just I, I do have a morbid curiosity mm-hmm. of just being like, all right, I, I, I don't want to go, but because I don't want to go, I kind of feel like I should just to see it. Um, like I said, I've seen the images, I've seen videos, but uh, just go there in real life and let all the senses hit it. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, apart from that, like I said, most people are most people are pretty are pretty well off, whether or not they realize it. You know, and even if they're temporarily not so well off, the opportunity and the ability to elevate mm-hmm. is is ever present for for most people. Things can always, always, always get better. But um, you know, you can strive for perfection, but 
that's not something that'll ever be achieved because humans are humans and things can't be we're unpredictable no yeah we're unpredictable we contain both good and evil things can go sideways things can go wrong you're mm. you've got some people are criminals you know if if everything was if everything was simple then you know sure. people would just you know there'd be no crime no one would follow the, the the problem is like well some people commit crime some people want to harm other people some people want to take from other people and that's something that's always existed and i do think always will because it's just part of humanity because we all have both of these things within us so you can certainly try to create a society and a structure and everything and a culture and a community that minimizes the negative and brings out the positive. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe that you can ever, I'm not a utopian. I don't believe that you can ever totally eliminate the negative. The only way you could do that would be to literally kill everybody because we all have capability for causing harm yeah. to, to other people. So and yeah that's that's certainly not the way forward <laughs> so uh so yeah it's just something that we've got to deal with and individually and collectively you know keep a lid on but i think it's like it's the idea of the homelessness problem like are these people homeless mm. are is this a drug problem you know there's different sides there's lack of housing mm -hmm. i i think it's really just hey you mentioned there's not enough people to buy into this program of society and civilization and we used to see the motorhome right outside there mm. And then there's people just tenting and camping yeah. right along Echo Park Lake right there. Under the bridges. And it's, they're not homeless. They, yeah. they have a place to sleep. They have their stuff. I'm mm -hmm. not saying maybe maybe that's what they want. Maybe that is the thing they need. They mm -hmm. store, stash and store all their supplies in some kind of car that they have. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, okay, if these people don't want to buy into getting a home or living in these caves we call apartments, mm -hmm. they're stacked on top of each other, what do we do with that? Yeah. Do we say you can just camp on the sidewalk, camp in the middle of the street right here? You know, is yeah. it, I don't think it's a terrible thing, but I, I, we can't have actually have that. I mean, the sanitation problem is really bad as well. I think Dr. Drew and all these people is like, there's like plague mm. in Los Angeles right now. Is that the amount of rats that are spreading the amount of plague and disease and tuberculosis and mm. all these other, um, what's a few other uh, diseases of plague that they found around here? Um, well, I know HIV is a massive problem too yeah. out there. It's like, you can't have that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's complicated, man. I really don't know what all the answers to it are. I mean, even in the UK, where the homelessness and drug problems are not as visually anyway, certainly, and numbers wise are not as bad as it is here and perhaps in some other cities. Um, you know, it's one of those things I do think about a lot, like how can you because that's the one form of poverty that's clearly still present and, and visible in some of these cities in the West. And that's something that I think, hmm, firstly, like one, that that's a shame. And two, man, what's the way to, how do you really help these people? You know, I think it's so multifaceted, multi-layered because, mm -hmm. you know, you'll, you'll have some people who, and I think each person's situation is different, right? You've got some people who it's just there on a temp temporarily down and out, you know, they're just having a low time in life and something has happened and they've ended up temporarily homeless, but they'll get out of that then you've got other people who perhaps in the past would have been in some kind of mental institution and they obviously kind of mostly abolished those and let a lot of people who previously would have been institutionalized out so I'd, again i don't know what the right thing to do there is 
Um, you know, people seem to have ethical problems with it, whichever direction you go to. If, yeah. you, if you're like saying, okay, we need to institutionalize people, you've got people saying, well, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be locking people up who aren't committing crimes or aren't dangerous to other people. Um, but then also it means, yeah, you've got people kind of, you know, at, at, at the worst going, going around the streets in some sort of zombie like state, just shouting at themselves or intimidating other people or, mm -hmm. Or whatever and it's it's just very un uncomfortable like I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is then you've got the drug addiction alcohol addiction and again I don't know what the right policy is I don't know what to do right again I grew up in Saudi Arabia they're just boom zero tolerance no <laughs> no no drugs no alcohol none of this yeah, stuff. trying to get booze in Kuwait we're, was, no, uh, like, was an experience we're not we're not having it if you try to deal drugs here we're killing you like hardcore yeah. just boom you know and they don't have these problems, certainly not to this extent. So it's hard to argue that it doesn't work if it's the right approach. From a li liberty perspective, it's not the right approach. But from a functioning perspective, it's like, okay, I get it. Um, or you can take a much more liberal approach and say, oh, you know, we're just going gonna to treat this as a, as a health problem rather than as a criminal problem. And we're going to maybe even legalize some more of these drugs and do this and that. And I'm like, look, I don't know. I don't I haven't run the numbers. I haven't done all the control experiments and whatever to say, OK, this is the correct way to, to deal with this thing. Yeah. Um, all I know is that, look, the, the problem is there. It's visible. It's visual. People people are aware of it. People can see it. Um, it impacts people, let alone the people who are in that situation. Um, but it's something that I need it. It needs it needs discussion, you know. It me it needs honest, open discussion, like like a lot of things, where it's like, okay, rather than trying to just score points or ride and die for your own political side, let's you know sit people down and think, okay, you know, LA is one of the most prosperous, rich economies in the U.S. and globally. I mean, on a global level, something like if California, if California was a country, yeah, it's it would like have five or six. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would have like, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't, I'm not sure how high it is, but I'm pretty certain it's in the top 10 or top 20 Economies, GDPs yeah. if it were just a country in itself. So there's all this wealth. And, you know, again, that's visual and visible. You can see it. So that's there. And but then at the same time, you've got 50, 60,000 homeless people. I don't know how many drug addicts and whatever. And it's like there's got to be some kind of way to make this better but people either just don't want to don't want to talk about it at all and kind of sweep it under the carpet or if people do talk about it they want to just kind of score political points and just say stuff that sounds good rather than doing something that does good i do believe that there's certainly a solution you know i don't know what it is but we'll see <laughs> yeah i mean it's democracy 17th, 18th century you know invention it's mm -hmm. been a great tool but i mean our politics and the system and the system just can't keep up with the internet Mm. It can't keep up with the amount of change and like, you know, promotion and advocacy that can happen, you know, where someone can raise X amount of millions of dollars online. You know, why are we going to wait for a bunch of people to go locate in Washington, D.C. or in the uh, I knew the name of it, something in London. I forgot the name of it, but Parliament is and the Parliament. I forgot. Oh, uh, um, House of Commons. House of Commons, maybe. Yeah. yeah. We'll say it's that's it. Okay. And so we have to wait for these people to meet. And sometimes they're on vacation. Sometimes they're going to meet together and they got to argue and yell. And then maybe this bill gets passed and then it takes six to 12 months for it all to get put into place. Mm. And so how do we, if the world's moving much quicker and faster than all those things, and these are the things we rely on, mm. how is it ever, 
like what is the next step and you know because again this homelessness thing mm. we have so much value so much wealth in just this area mm-hmm. of the country yet we either you know it's that it's like kind of the the left wing side well we should just give giving this money away mm. it's it's a money thing we just gotta give these people homes mm. and maybe just put them in homes and that's it and it's the other side like these people got to pick pick themselves up by their bootstraps yeah they you know find a way they gotta the the, the truth is um you know when it comes to political sides the reality is that both sides are often simultaneously correct and they don't necessarily want to admit that or give that to the other side okay so if someone is coming from a more right-wing individualist perspective they'll tend to think and I, I lean more that way myself and the onus is generally you know put more on the individual personal responsibility like you said lifting yourself up by your bootstraps putting in hard work etc you will be successful and i'm totally on board with that and that's generally true for almost everything the left-wing perspective tends to come from more of a side of looking at the the system and the you know institutions and you know they tend to see the problems more as systemic or collective and both of those things are often simultaneously true so it's often true that you know with a situation like homelessness it's like there can be a problem and there probably is i don't i don't know the details for each individual city but there mm-hmm. are certainly systemic or socio-political issues and factors that could be changed or improved in some way to help reduce this problem but also it's really hard to help somebody who doesn't want to help themselves so it's also true that look if you choose to use drugs or you choose to drink yourself drink you know loads and loads of alcohol or not get a job or do whatever you're not going to succeed if you make bad decisions for yourself you're going to struggle to succeed like both of those things can be true sometimes it might lean more one way sometimes it's like okay there's clearly a problem with the the structure or the system here right like this is clearly unjust in which case it's like okay we need to change a law or something here mm-hmm. but in, and in other cases it can be like oh no this the system is the system is okay this person or this group of people are just not doing stuff right That's what comes to the value yeah. So. yeah exactly so it's um it's a very complicated thing i mean a, another thing is also the idea that that you can even solve everything with politics you right can't. you can't right every problem that exists in society whether it's individualistic or amongst different people a lot of people jump straight to what can or should the government do and not everything can be solved by the government that's that's the reality you know not everything there are certain things where it's like okay i don't know um you've got another country trying to go to war with or invade america it's like okay that's something that that's like a governmental level thing yeah um you know that's someone very, put their hands right yeah there. yeah exactly if there's a giant potholes in the road in LA that's a governmental issue that mm-hmm. should be solved because you're paying taxes that that should be should be fixed but there are a lot of other societal and cultural issues where it's just not the government's job if you've just got a, a group of people or an individual who has a certain mentality or way of doing things or decision making or whatever that is not conducive to their flourishing or their success 
it's not necessarily like if, if it's not the government's fault or remit it's not necessarily going to be the government that's able to fix that and i think that's something that to me it's fairly obvious but i think it's something that people miss because with every single problem it's always like we're looking oh what policy can we pass what legislation can we pass what and it's like some of the some things are deeper than that mm. some things are just just deeper than that it's not necessarily always something that the government can do anything about i do feel like this with um with a, a lot of issues man like something that's very topical right now I is um, say reparations hmm? reparations in the united states it's like paying okay that's yeah a, i think that's a big topic because it's like do we just say to the government hey we're gonna give people 30 million dollars each mm. and whether they have some or they're just african-american do they mm. have some relation towards you know um i just don't think it's their, vi- it's just don't think it's viable their families were enslaved mm. my citizens of the united states hundreds yeah. of years ago or as of maybe less than 100 years ago yeah. so it's you know what do you do in that situation yeah i understand where people who are making the argument in favor i i get where they're where they're coming from but i don't think it's um i don't think it's viable for a whole ton of reasons um, the thing I was actually going to say was um, this sort of mass shooting epidemic, mm-hmm. right? Again, if you look at it, everyone is looking to the government to solve that. Everyone is looking to the government. We need to pass policy. We need legislation. We need this. We need that. But I don't think the root cause of that doesn't stem from anything to do with the government as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, if if you look at Firstly, violent crime and homicides are massively down across the board compared to, say, the 90s. But these sort of theatrical mass shootings, Mm -hmm. that really started, as far as I'm aware in the U.S., that really sort of started with with Columbine. Yeah. And then you've had kind of a lot of sort of copycat things that have happened over over the last two decades that have been kind of similar where someone, usually a young, a young man, white goes male. out and does... Usually a white man. Yeah. My do, people. Yeah, but it, it, there, there's a very theatrical... There's a very theatrical element to it. You know what I mean? They, they do it because they want the publicity. They want the notoriety. They, yeah. they want the sort of... It's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. So crime as a whole, violent crime as a whole, even shootings as a whole, those are actually down. You wouldn't know it from the media, but if you look, look at the stats, those have come down massively. But these sort of spectacular mass killings have, have gone up. And so you've got people looking at the tool. You know, what? whoa, they, they used an AR-15. It was this, this particular gun. It was this. It was, And I kind of feel like people are going off in all these directions, but the core thing that's there isn't the it's not the tool it's not the weapon of choice it's something in the psyche and the mentality and that's not something that you can just pass a piece of legislation that is gonna is gonna change things you see Mm -hmm. what i mean like there might be some legislation that might improve things a little bit but you can see even when the politicians talk about it you can see they themselves are not confident that okay we could just pass this bill and this bill would have prevented that shooting because most in most of the cases it wouldn't have the, the true question is how and why is society producing people who want to do that? You see what I mean? Absolutely. Like, I, I, yeah, like that, I that, that's, that's the question because, I mean, it's, it's the same in the U.S. And it, sorry, it's the same in the U.K. In the U.K., the problem is knives. Okay. Is it really that big of a problem? Because I know it's a, like a, it's a conservative talking point it, here in the States. Like, hey, it, well, knife, knife crime is up in the U.K. It grows. It's growing. It's a bigger problem than it was previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, both statistically and kind of 
emotionally in terms of people being wary of it and frightened of it and whatever. So it's not at the same it's it's not at the same scale as the U.S. and you they don't get the same body counts because obviously you know a gun is a better tool many, to take out knives. You yeah, exactly. Knife to you yeah, so stopped. so the tool so the tool matters to a to a degree there. But ultimately, the question is, you know, and you look in different countries. Some places they'll use bombs. Some places it's suicide bombs, right? Yeah. Some places it's cars. You just take a car or a truck and just ram it into. That's gotta be scary. Yeah, you know, like UK, the, yeah. this is what I'm always saying. It's like, look, if you wanted to, if anybody had the will and the desire and the malice and evil or whatever in their heart and the motive to kill a whole bunch of people, there's plenty of tools at your disposal to do to do that. Mm-hmm. Lots, of, most people own cars. If you own a vehicle, and you want to hurt a lot of people it's not difficult the the question is why you know we all own knives lots of people own guns Go to in, a farm in the US. Lots a fertilizer you can pull yeah it off. like there, there's 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 stuff there so it's like the question is you know you want to have a society again individually and collectively where you're not where people don't want to hurt each other right and, and this exists there's loads of places there's loads of pockets villages towns and cities where almost zero violent crime like almost zero um so it, it is achievable. It might even be something like a factor as, you know, like once you get past a certain population. And I think this is something you see coming back to what we were talking about before. You know, um, once you get past a certain population, it does seem to be like people start caring about each other less. Okay. If you go to a small village or a small town or something, you'll generally find that people there's more of a community mm. feeling people feel more bonded to each other people care more about what's happening to their neighbor or the person down the street or that other person in their community and as you expand once you get to 5 million 10 million 20 million people in one place there's something in the human brain I the mean, dunbar's you, number dunbar's number exactly yeah. right there's something in the human's brain that makes you just care less about everybody else and yeah. It it seems oh, it seems a little bit hardwired. Like I don't I'm not a psychologist. You I don't say that I don't our know minds all the can't handle more than like 140 150 intimate relationships. Yeah. and it's it's sad because yeah. I'm trying to I, I try and break that number. Like mm. people look at me funny. <laughs> my ex girlfriend just like we're in New York City. I walk yeah. around. I'll, I'll have a conversation with anybody. Yeah. These are people who live around us. We want to know they live in the apartment building mm. we were in or people around us. These are people you're, you're around. These are your communities. The people closestly tied to you. Mm. Even like I'm walking around town coffee shop right over here i'm going to talk with everybody in there so you guys live around here where Mm -hmm. you're from what's this because there is like that's so important it is a sense of community and knowing that and again the thing that's missing it's that um connection Mm -hmm. people are lacking so much connection and they can we think we're getting so much of this with the computer the phone but you know to do it in person just to walk up and give somebody a hug Mm -hmm. like human touch you could stop like three or four mass shootings by just giving somebody a hug today. Dude, you, yeah, because it's, and and it, this is weird because someone might hear this and it might sound really like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Because it, 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 it's so high high level and it's a little bit esoteric. But to me, that's kind of where the real the real core of the problem comes down to. And then of course you've got things like um, you know the kids who go out and do these things. How many of them? What what are their family situations like? Yeah. Right? Have they got fathers? Were their fathers abusive to them? Did they beat them up? Did they, were they even there? Were they present? Like all this stuff matters, you know? So the vast majority of criminals in the U.S., as far as I'm aware, you know, grew up in fatherless homes. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that most people who grew up in fatherless homes grew up to be criminals, but it does mean that most criminals grew up in fatherless homes. And that's a, that's a fact. And that's a genuine factor. So that's something you've got to think of. That's like, hmm, 
that's a deeper societal issue. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Why are, you know, people, you know, having so many, having, having people are having kids out of wedlock. People are, you know, fathers are not taking their responsibility. You know, people are getting a woman pregnant and then going off and doing their own thing and not caring about that kid. And that goes on to affect them, especially as they get into their teenage years and they start looking for male role models. Some of them will be okay. Probably most will be okay. Mm-hmm. But some will go off and they'll join gangs. Some will go off and they'll join this. They'll go off and, you know, they'll, they'll get drawn into different ideologies. And, and gangs know this. Terrorist groups know this. They know that's how they recruit. Yeah. They're like, okay, find the, teena- find the teenage boys in this town or city who don't have father figures. And we'll go and we'll fill that role for them. And they'll recruit them. And they've got, you know, a several stage process. And that's how they, they all radicalize people. ISIS do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, 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 it's a similar pattern. So you have to think. Okay, we need to we need to look at that. We need to look at that. You do need to look at mental health. Maybe you do need to pass certain policies, but it's like it's such a multifaceted it's such a multifaceted issue and I sometimes find it frustrating that people only look at one side of it whilst kind of ignoring the wider issue. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems then, like a men's mental health issue. Like, hey, how do we get these young guys whether they're young boys or even teenagers like, hey, you know, we're going we have, you know, we're talking about like government program kind of thing like, mm-hmm. hey, we have national park things. We send kids out there for three to six months. They're going to live and work on these things mm-hmm. with different kids from around the country. And you're going to interact. You're going to live. You're going to learn about, you know, biology, yeah. the land, topography, um, geography, and you're out there. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, I think that's the biggest thing with young boys or males. just like to be in this confined environment of school mm-hmm. is very toxic yeah. because these guys, like you said, we're talking about ex- these groups that are able to recruit them is these guys are getting to explore their city and run around. They're not mm-hmm. even doing the most greatest things to, you know, their city, you know, causing crime, violence or mischief, but they're out, they're active, they're exploring. It's the thing that they don't get in school Yeah. and extracurricular activities yeah. cost money and getting these kids yeah, out there. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's, to me, it starts with family, man. It's really the foundation of everything, man. Yeah. Parents are the foundation because once that, as soon as that is broken, then you start needing to find things to replace it, you know? Um, Because if they're not getting that, you know, it's one thing if they're not getting it from at school, but then they can go home and they can, you know, have rough and tumble play with their dad or their uncle or their granddad or what, you know, and and that's that's deeply important for children in general, both boys and girls, but especially for boys, you know, just to learn those physical boundaries and, you know, gain those levels of trust and know how to harness violence even or the capability to do violence right right you know i've got um i've got four nephews and you mine know, knows no bounds man yeah well but yeah <laughs> but the, yeah but you yeah but you you show them the bounds right you yeah. so you can wrestle with them but if they try to, to poke you in the eye you're like no 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 that's no mm. no you don't do that if they try to kick you in the nuts you're like no that's not you can you can wrestle you can play but you don't you don't punch you don't punch your uncle in the face yeah right you don't you don't uh, hit your mom. You don't. You 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 can teach them certain boundaries, so it's like they can get out that energy. They can have that boyish, boisterous energy or whatever. But you you have to channel and hone it because if you don't do that, it just kind of sprays out and, and all you these. Communicate to them what they did when you ex- did hit me. Exactly the emotion and the yeah. expression. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you know, and and we know that we know those boundaries, right? If I'm you know wrestling with my nephew or whatever, right? I'll, I'll pick him up and I'll. I'll, I'll slam him on a cushion. Yeah. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. Right. But I'm not going to choke. I'm going to choke him. <laughs> you don't choke. You don't punch him. You don't kick him. It's like there's there's certain, you know, there's certain boundaries because you, you learn what what will what hurts. Because the thing is, if you know what hurts you, 
then you know what hurts other people right so if you can if it's like oh okay that hurts you won't like it if i do that to you mm-hmm. so you don't do that to other yeah. people right um and just you know it's it's all these yeah it, it, it's really it's really really core so i think that this is this is why to a degree i'm guess i lean more towards i you know i guess what people might call conservatism yeah because it's like there are certain traditional structures and hierarchies and values and whatever that it's not not all of them are just old-fashioned ideas right it's like some of these things exist and structures exist for a reason okay you'll have people in 2019 saying stuff like oh you know marriage is outdated or uh you know do do women really need a father you know do kids really need fathers do women really need and it's like that just sets off tons of alarm bells for me because mm-hmm. it's like look we're we're currently seeing the result of that experiment right you've raised the whole generation uh where you've got tons of young men and women who have been raised in whether, whether it's broken families or absent fathers or whatever and we're now seeing that bearing its cost on society and again people don't want to talk about this because it's not really politically correct yeah. but that's what that's what we're seeing right now so it's like mm, okay that doesn't seem to be the way forward so it's like you want to have a society where you've got certain things and that people are aiming for at least as an ideal is an ideal always going to be reached no but it's good to at least have it as an ideal and then you have things in place so that people who do not you know if things go wrong or certain ideals not matter whatever those people don't kind of fall completely through the gap and end up you know in, in, in some terrible place or whatever but you don't want to be aiming and aspiring for something that's well below an ideal in my in my personal opinion yeah, I think uh, I'll rock your mind on this one. I think it's actually young men spending way too much time mm. with women and around women, even if it's their own mothers or sisters, mm. that's kind of revolved some of these men into having these crazy Oedipus complexes mm. that some of them have and, you know, kind of ruining the relations that, you know, you hear women complain about. This guy's not hitting on me. He's not being over aggressive or this and that. And it's like, oh, wow. Like maybe there was just too much. There wasn't enough time around men. Mm. There wasn't that locker room talk. Mm. There wasn't that, you know, the brotherhood Mm. again, whether that's a sports team Mm -hmm. and again, or I think Jonathan Haidt, I I love that guy. Um, Love reading his books. Love the listeners, how he thinks, Mm -hmm. you know, again, take it for what you want. But, you know, letting kids in that Lord of Flies, Mm. having those Lord of Flies scenarios. Hey, it's just us. One kid falls down. He gets pushed off something. There's no parent around. How do we resolve this conflict? Yeah. And that's the biggest thing we see online on the internet, that people don't know how to just talk with one another. Yeah. And it's a whole spinoff of that. Yeah, and, it it know, affects people as they get into adulthood. because We need our moms to resolve this problem. We need yeah, our man, professors to resolve this it's, problem. It's a, it's a very good point, man. Because, you know, everything, almost everything is learned. You know, and if you don't learn something, if an adult didn't learn something as a kid, they're not going to suddenly know it as an adult. And you're, again, you're seeing that now. Point of personal privilege. Please do not use gen- <laughs> Right? Like, I, I look at those people and I'm like, how are you going to function in the real world where it's not just a controlled environment and, and people are shouting and screaming and cars are going by and it's loud and it's chaotic and not everyone is going to just koto to what is comfortable for you personally, right? You can't just control everybody else in the room. Or Chaos everybody is else. constant. Yeah, exactly. So... When I look at that, I'm like, wow, these people, like, I don't know what all their childhood was, but, like, they were not, they were obviously wrapped in some sort of protective bubble, which did not give them any challenge or strife or criticism or anything like that. And it's like, 
you know, uh, I know this is in um, in Hyde's book you mentioned, right, about children being anti-fragile, right? Yeah. Like you need to expose them to to certain to certain things, and you know, it needs to be age appropriate, obviously. But strife creates a level of strength and perseverance and determination and ability to take and withstand criticism and whatnot. And I think you've got a lot of young people, especially at the moment, you're seeing this in colleges and stuff. A lot of people have spoken about it where you've got this, um, you know what people call it. It's a little bit uh, cliched by now, but what people call this snowflake generation, right? Mm-hmm. Where people just melt or get triggered by the most minor thing, right? The most minor slight or perceived slight or whatever. And everyone wants to try to, you know, at least to this kind of like authoritarian mindset where you think everybody must respect my feelings and mm-hmm. you know oh i feel this so it's correct or this is my truth this is like forget the truth this is what i think this is what i feel is what i feel feel it's always feel 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 like you know people aren't saying i think or i believe it's always i feel i feel i feel like it's like the world doesn't care what you feel right <laughs> it's you know what I mean? Like, right like, it's so simple but it's like, like you yeah. know what i mean like 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 some you know your friends don't care what you feel uh, your boyfriend or girlfriend will, will care what you feel, but yeah. most people don't really. That that's just a harsh. It's a harsh truth. Our cells are you competing. Know, like I mean, the yeah. guy who mugged me from my phone, and then just, when I caught him, and two other guys jumped out mm. and started beating me up. They didn't care about Dude, how I felt. That phone was was food. That phone was something they could use for money or something. It didn't matter. And like I understood that. Like yeah. I was an idiot. I got mugged. But yeah. like it's it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. But it's like you recognize that's an aspect of reality and that makes you take caution too yeah. right because then after that you might be like hmm survive okay. <laughs> next time i'm in this place or a similar place i you know sometimes some stuff is unavoidable sometimes you take every precaution stuff still goes wrong right but if you've got someone who's going around i don't know some poor part of brazil and they're they're waving around a thousand dollar phone and taking snapchats and like you're, you're fucked i don't want them to get robbed <laughs> But you are not in, you don't exist in proper reality. You haven't, if you think that you can do that and you're going to be safe doing that everywhere in the world, right? It's just social calibration. You're just, it's just awareness, street smarts, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's certain areas where you can do that and it's, it's fine. Social right? calibration, that's but, a good one. Yeah. But in other places, it's like, no, you, you just can't, you can't do that. It doesn't mean that something bad should happen to you but you're greatly increasing the probability that something bad will happen because you are surrounded by a lot of people or certain people who, like I said, don't care about your feelings, don't care about what's right, don't care about what's wrong, don't care about what's criminal. So you need to protect yourself from those things. And I mm-hmm. think that, again, that's something that I imagine if you went back a few decades or a hundred years ago that almost everybody would have been a lot more kind of just aware of, mm-hmm. just just naturally, just sort of how chaotic things can be and what what reality is whereas now i don't know i don't know if it's parenting i don't know if it's smartphones social media combination of all these things has led to a lot of people where it's just uh the difference between reality and what they want reality to be has like a very large chasm (laughs) and they they want it to be this image and this shape but I mean, that Dave Chappelle special, he put a hole in a lot of people's feelings. <laughs> a lot of people's feelings. Yeah. Like the whole trans joke about, you know, what if, if I was a Chinese man trapped in this black man's yeah. body, it'd be kind of funny. 
<laughs> and it'd be kind of predicament. It, it, it's hard because I didn't come up with this idea. And I automatically thought of like Freaky Friday. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the mom and the daughter swap places. And it's like, it's, it's a predicament. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. It'd be, and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. The trans, trans community is going to be very upset with him even more than they already were. Just like, just like to put a, yeah. put a hole. Because again, it's, it's, it's an idea. And again, we could be moving towards this and it could be moving towards people continuous expanding. And one day, you know, if you want dolphin fins and you can have part of your DNA in this, we don't know where the potential of the future could go. Who knows? But, you know, just putting a hole in the idea for now. I'll be living on an island by then anyway. <laughs> I've already worked out my escape plans if it starts, if it starts getting way too gnarly. Uh, it, 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 I've watched it seven times <laughs> oh, in the past wow, two okay. weeks. It, it just keeps getting funnier for it, me. It is funny. It was, it's very necessary. I, that's what I thought. I lost. I was like, that was needed. Yeah. That was necessary. It's a good old school. I mean, Bill Burr was the guy for me that always pushes those limits, and he kept it on, he teetered that line of, where you get that little chuckle, that <laughs> <laughs> where you'd be like, oh, okay, it's just Uncle Bill, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Dave just took it. No feelings. Yeah. Just here it is. I'm going to lay it out right in your face. And oh, it was great just watching. That's what comedians are supposed to do. Yes. Man. Yes. I love that. Just no holds bars. You could see the people in the crowd just, oh, wow, that woman just completely lost his respect when he said there's no such thing as 36 year old pussy and it took her a few oh, jokes because she's in the front row before she started laughing again yeah, yeah, yeah. because he started going after someone else because yeah, hey yeah, yeah. there is there is humor yeah. and we can't take ourselves too seriously exactly. life, that's, that's literally what it is life is insane the stuff yeah. that we live in is crazy and there's beauty mm. in the craziness and we have to be able to take a step back push our egos down and say Oh wow! I look like a, watch all the video of me doing something. Wow! I look like a damn idiot. Like, <laughs> I can't believe I said and did that, and I made that ending. I was showing my vlog video. I just made this beer thing I'm doing. It's like, oh my god! Yeah, I gotta go back and I think because again, maybe only you see it that way. But it's good to look back and reflect on this thing. So I gotta go with this. You, it's, t it's 13 years ago now. It's 2006, like you said. Did you just pick up a mic and start rapping? I mean, where's your musical background? Oh, okay, to get um, going into that. So I used to play piano when I was a kid. I played that for a while, um, and I used to play trombone for a shorter time. And then I, I was not into music at all, really, like beyond playing those instruments. I wasn't really into music as a listener or as a fan until I went to boarding school. When I was about 13 years old or so, I started getting into hip-hop and rap, just listening to it. Then when I was 18 in university, I... Um, the first lyric I ever wrote, I was traveling. I got stunk, stuck in um, an airport in Paris for about 24 hours. And I just had my MP3 player, my pencil, and a notepad. And I just started jotting down some lyrics and listening to some beats and stuff. So that was when I first started making music. And it came quite naturally to me, um, writing lyrics and performing and everything. So when I came back to university, I started recording some stuff with a, a basic setup in a, in a dorm room with one of my friends. And that was the setup I recorded my very first album with, and everything expanded from there. And it, over time, I'm kind of skipping some of the details, but it over time it expanded from a hobby into a part-time career, and eventually into a full-time career. I've been doing music and the other stuff I do full-time now since 2011. So wow. yeah, it's been about eight years, and uh, I haven't died yet can still feed myself so uh and the fan base is growing the opportunities are growing so uh i'm very excited actually this has been a very transformative year for me in particular so i'm really ex excited to see not to see but to make things go from here yeah. where how did you discover your creative side i mean was it just that moment of picking up that mp3 i've always been creative paper? i, I when, when i was a kid i wanted to be a cartoonist 
right. So I used to just draw. You people, sound people, just like Rogan now. People, people used to know me for drawing. People used to know me for my my artwork. Um, so as a kid, I was always constantly drawing. If you, if any, anyone who knew me as a kid would be like, oh, Zuby, yeah, that's the kid who draws all the time. That's what people would have said about me. Um, and then I think, so that creative part of me was always there, but it shifted from uh, art in terms of drawing into music over time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I would have to think the creative side came from sports. Okay. Being the point guard on the floor and having to be able to manipulate the defenders and who's here and what plays are running in the situations. I think, cause again, I, everybody does have a creative side, but it's really hard to take that from other parts of your life mm. and evolve it into stuff and to be open and expressive because your shit's going to suck yeah. for, for first few things. You yeah, do. Yeah. It's going to be dog shit. Every, everything you have to get through. Um, what do I call it? Embracing the suck. So like anything new you're trying to do, whether it's learning a language or a new skill or whatever, like you're going to be crap at the beginning. People so don't want to get over that fear, though, man. Yeah, They're just, just so scared. I mean, I, I have it written on a big yellow post-it note. It's like a, like a three-foot yellow post-it note. <laughs> like, f- uh, fail, 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 fail. Like, just written line after line after yeah. line until you succeed or until you try. I forgot. What the, I look at it every day and I don't remember it. <laughs> I just know fail is right there. Because, yeah. again, you, 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 people themselves are more uh, preventing themselves from tapping into that potential. It's oh, yeah. not anybody else usually. It's not their situation. It, it, it's fear of judgment from others, primarily. It is fear, but it's fear of judgment from others. Like if you put those people in a silo and they knew that there was no one else was going to see it or be able to criticize it or whatever, I think a lot of people would I think most people would do that thing that they want to do, but they're not. They'd at least try. Mm. But um, so many people are worried implicitly or ex- explicitly when you when you boil down they're worried about fear of judgment from other people um and i do understand that and it, it affects everybody to different de- degrees every, no, every, no every everybody it doesn't matter what you're doing if yeah. you there'll be someone who wants to start a youtube channel and you're like oh gosh like someone's gonna think i'm stupid someone's gonna, you know what i mean like so I'll, how many so, introductions have you recorded some yeah so, someone's <laughs> someone's gonna write a mean comment or someone's just gonna you know, it's like you have people who have YouTube channels or podcasts and they don't tell people they know. Don't read the comments. Don't. don't read the comments ever or reviews. Never review your reviews. I read, I read the comments all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, so fear of judgment from others is really what cripples people. So you need to have this sort of balance between. I, I've got personally for me uh, over the years in the past sort of 12 years, I've developed a it's like a balance between deeply caring what other people think and really not caring about what other people think. Like I somehow hold both of those things simultaneously and it works for me. Um, so I obviously want to have a positive impact on people. I want people to enjoy and what I'm saying and what I'm doing and my music and my podcast. I want that all to re- to resonate with other people. So in that sense, I really care about what people think, especially people who um, genuinely like me or respect me or follow me or close to me or whatever. I I do genuinely care about what they think. But there's also a part of me that enables me to be authentic because I don't care about what other people think. So if someone listens to this podcast and takes some issue with something I said or a word I used or the way I phrase something, it's like, I don't care. I'm not going to say sorry. Unless, unless I said something really messed up and I'm like, okay, I'm genuinely sorry I said that. Mm-hmm. Then I'll apologize to an individual who I offended. But um, 
yeah, beyond that, I'm like, okay, I don't care. Because oftentimes I get people trying to, like, I I self-censor myself a lot. Uh, just by being as frank as I am, I self-censor myself all the time. So I police my, I police myself. But oftentimes I get people, especially now that my profile is bigger, I get a lot of people who are kind of trying to police me. And I'm like, I don't care what you think. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I don't like the way you, I don't like the tone you used in that tweet. I'm like, I don't care. Is, was it correct? Was it true? Yeah. Okay. Then suck it up. You know, <laughs> so that, you know, and, and I'm just like that because yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing, but you need to kind of develop that attitude where you can just not be bogged down by the criticism, be, be it positive or negative. Cause you don't want to get your ego so inflated that you think you're, you're the, you're the greatest thing alive and you're God's gift and you can't do anything wrong and that you never make mistakes. Some people go too far in that direction mm. of being like really callous in that regard of like, you know, they'll genuinely say something that's like, you know, truly hurtful or attacking somebody or whatever and then they'll not want to kind of admit any fault so i don't ever want to go in that direction Mm -hmm. but i also don't want to be that person who's apologizing every two weeks for something i'm not sorry about and i'm not going to be that person either so there's like with most things i think there's a compromise and a happy medium now you say you don't drink no and i don't know if you do any psychedelics or any psychoactive substances because like for me Smoking weed is a great little self-reflection tool. I almost use it as a tool to mm-hmm. sort of take a step back. I get to look at myself in a whole different light. You know how I how I did something. How I, how I can perceive myself in a whole different light. It's what, what all you, ju- it's what all drug addicts say. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you know that heroin is just yeah, it's a tool. <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> I was gonna say what you. <laughs> <laughs> Comedians, yeah. <laughs> what do you use? What do you do for self-reflection? How do you take a look? Do uh, what do you do to take a step back and look at yourself? Because like you, you said, mm. like, oh well, sometimes I can't really, you know. Because I think the thing is that you, these you know, visionaries, people have different ideas of what they want, and that's their goal. I got my goal. I got my target. What I'm trying to get to, and I'm not able to look at the comments and take them in. Mm. I want to take out what's the thing I need to use for them but not inflating that ego Mm -mm. and how do you take that step back to reflect on the things positive negatives to propel yourself forward even more gotcha um i just do it consciously i think there are especially if when stuff gets busy it can be hard to find time to do stuff like that or to take notes mentally or even even on paper and just think of Mm -hmm. what you're doing so with me it's um it's a couple things one, I'm surrounded by a lot of great people who care about me genuinely and who've generally known me a long time. And it's literally I'm talking about my family, um, my my friends, my, my girlfriend, everyone who's so I don't worry about going sort of, you know, coming completely ungrounded because I've got people there to ground me and to mm-hmm. if I'm genuinely, you know, going off on a bad path or something, I've got people who will check me which is good um i normally check myself so important yeah i normally will check myself but you know it's good to know that that's there my parents wouldn't hesitate to put me to the side and be like "Mm, zuby like you know think about this or whatever and i they know me better than anybody so i I value their opinion more than anybody so far more than some random person commenting on youtube so it's like as long as my parents are proud of me i'm good (laughs) you know what i mean like if if my parents like look we're proud of you you did that i'm like okay cool whatever else anyone thinks I've got their approval, so because mm. that's the hardest bar to meet. Um, so there's that, and then, like I said, there's just uh, being quite conscious about it. So once every, 
I don't know, every couple months I'll try to just take stock a little bit. It doesn't need to be like, it's not a formal process for me, but just, I don't know, just lie down or sit down and just think about the past, present and future. You know, think about, okay, where was I this time last year? Uh, you know, September 2018, where was I then compared to where I am now? And I can be like, wow, I've achieved, I've achieved a lot. I've done, I've done some things, man. Like I've grown, you know, mm-hmm. the, this has grown. I've, I started, I've started a whole new podcast. I released a new album. I wrote and released my first book. I did all these podcasts. I came out to the U S and did all these podcasts and interviews. I met some, some of my heroes, some of my, some people I massively respect. I, you know, I've, I, I can, so I, I take stock cause when you're doing stuff day to day, you kind of lose track of, you can kind of lose track of your own progress. So I do that. I try to do it with the gym or with anything else I'm doing and think, okay, I was here. I'm now there. So I do that. And then I think of, okay, you know, what can I be? Where's the, where do I want to go in the future? And what do I do now to help guide myself in that direction? What things am I doing right? What things am I doing wrong? Is there something I'm doing that I know I shouldn't be, which maybe I can try to eliminate or whatever and then um you know myself i I pray a lot you know i I try to pray at least once a day and just talk to talk to god you know i'm a i'm a christian so i i pray every day and that to me has you know both the religious benefit but it also has it also helps me to organize my own thoughts because i'm articulating my aspirations the stuff i feel bad about and want forgiveness for the things I'm concerned about in the world and personally, it's just like a genuine moment of reflection just to sit and talk and think, okay, like this is what, what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, and this is what I'm feeling and whatnot. So that's, um, those three factors of have all been, been very, been very important for me and are throughout my life really. All right. Yeah. That a meditation, I mean, meditation, prayer, mm. you know, I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, you know, I don't like, meditate, not really, but mm. I think praying and meditating are kind of this. It's I, the I, idea of being with, yeah. your, with yourself yeah. while or in connecting with, you know, whatever spiritual or other yeah. entity you, you believe in. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember you talked about this on the Rogan episode. It's like people get so deterred from religion mm. and they, they totally do. You know, Some people do, yeah. I, I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I and think it, it's. I think also think it's kind of trendy to do so right now. Like religion's not trendy right now. Yeah. Um. I'd love it for had to have. A, I'd love Christianity to have a resurgence, and I think it. I genuinely think it might. Yeah. I I am starting to see the murmurs of that happening. Really. Yeah. Because, I think because so many things have been going sideways, <laughs> over the past sort of five to ten years, that even people who like I, I said this, I was saying this to Joe. Mm. You know, um, and he was, you know, very honest and open about it. It was one of my favorite parts of the conversation. But um, I think a lot of people, even if they themselves are not religious or, you know, even believe in God, I think a lot of people are starting to see the at least understand the benefit that it does give to people. Right. I think there's been this long period of people just being like, okay, it's just like a lot of the things we were saying before. This thing's outdated. We don't need this. Let's just... To me, it's like cutting out the roots from a tree. Mm-hmm. Right? We have a certain society in the Western world. We have certain values, certain laws, certain ways things work, certain ways we view things, where not all of them, but some of it stems from Christian values. No question. 
you know, some people debate this, but I'm like, no, it's like a lot of this stems from Christian values, which is why the values and beliefs and the way of doing things in this part of the world are really different to how it is in other places. Like lots of that comes from a Christian foundation. It's not just totally arbitrary. So can someone individually function and operate and be moral and be a good person and whatever without all of that and the, the belief and all the details? Absolutely. Of course. But I think that collectively as a society, if you get rid of a lot of those roots or a lot of those ideas or traditional values or whatever, wherever they stem from, then for how long can, how long will everything stay stable for? And I, I again, I think in the past five or six years, people have, or like, there's a lot of people kind of saying like, whoa, stuff's getting certain stuff's getting a little weird. That like, act, what, it's like, the excess what, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like we're moving away from this. You're seeing there's a, um, you hear a lot of people saying, even when it comes, especially with young men, there's this sort of crisis of meaning, of purpose. Like, what, what's our purpose? Why, why are we here? What's the point of, what's the point of all of this? What's the point of trying hard? What's the point of working hard? What's the point of having a family? What's the point of having mm. kids? Like, what's the point? You know, and you, and you hear people saying this. Oh, I don't want kids. Like, what's the point of having kids? Oh, cost too much money, and that kind of makes me sad. You know, and, and I, I've, I've kind of been there. I went through that stage in my 20s where I was like, mm, you know, it would be cool to just be a bachelor for life and have like 10 girlfriends and this. And then I kind of hit like my late 20s, you know, late 30s. I was like, I, I thought about it much longer term and I was like, nah, that's not really. I'm right there right now. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like there, there's, there's a point of all of this. There is a reason why historically and globally people do some of these things. Yeah. It's not just because it's it's like there's there's a reason to it there's a there's a structure that and you can see if it's not done you know it doesn't mean every single individual needs to do all these things like like i keep saying but generally would you rather live in a society that's got high rates of you know marriage and people being together and having families and those kids being raised well and whatever would you rather live there or would you rather live in somewhere where people just don't value those things at all and everyone is just sleeping with everybody and nobody's people don't care about the kids mm-hmm. and fathers don't stick around and mothers don't really care about you know like the the former sounds a lot better to me than the latter and you and you can see you can see microcosms of these things even in the same country right you can look in one city or one town and it's like okay this is the way they're doing things there this is the way they're doing things there and then you compare the rates of some of these issues including stuff like crime stuff like homelessness stuff like violence and whatever and it's like oh okay there's quite a strong correlation here and that's not by accident you mm-hmm. see what i mean so it's imp- yeah it, it, it's 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 like a constant balance um it's constant balance but i think that uh more people are starting to recognize recognize that and i also think that religious people in general uh certainly in the u.s have i think i think a lot of problems that many people have with religion i think a big mistake made by made by a lot of religious people and i'd say what you could call the christian right in the usa in particular less so in less so in the uk but i think they've historically in the past made some errors of tying up religion with the state and the policies right tying up religion too much with politics so saying okay well 
the Bible says this, so we need to... There's supposed to be a separation between church and state in a country like the USA, right? Yeah. So and the religious right really tries to teeter yeah, on that yeah, line. Yeah, exactly, right? And it, it gets it gets <clears throat> tied up too much into that. And I think that's been like a sort of both a strategic error and also just like a just like the wrong way of doing creating policy. Like if I'm talking about pol- political stuff, I never make religious arguments. Like I, I don't talk about someone would think I may even think I'm totally secular because I'm not going to make any, I'm not going to bring up the Bible or quote the Bible or whatever, because that's an argument from authority. And I'm aware that not everybody follows that religion. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's just not a good argument. And there are better arguments for any situation than saying, you know, the Bible says this or the Quran says this or the Torah says this or whatever, because that's based on that other person you're speaking to having those exact same beliefs, which in a, huge diverse country with multi like lots of different faiths or people of no faith like that just doesn't it doesn't work um i think it's big so, that people should read all those books though yeah it's important and yeah it's good there's a lot of not, i wouldn't say knowledge there's just so many this what do you want to take it as a fictitious storybook it's beautifully written it's yeah. so well written i'm not just talking about the bible mm. the bhagavad gita man that's a great 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 book people mm. can't believe i read that i'm like no no no. <laughs> i want to know yeah there's a billion people not a billion i would say but you know hundreds yeah. of millions of people who believe yeah yeah in this there's yeah, something man. about this yeah, in the basis a... of this culture in this country yeah you know b- the world. B- billions of people aren't just you know crazy and stupid and deluded you know like that's not as we're told <laughs> Yeah, there's people, yeah, there's people, you know, saying that and, you know, there's, there's that kind of arrogance with it, you know? Um, and, but I, th- I think that, like I said, finish, finishing that thought, I think that that's an error that's been made in the past by religious people. And I think people are now coming around to and getting better at detaching the religious beliefs and not trying to impose that on others and saying like, look, this is, this is my belief this is my worldview or whatever it's totally cool if you don't if you don't share that if, if we want to have that conversation of why i believe what i believe or whatever we can do that that's interesting but i'm not going to try you don't try to force stuff on me i'm not going to try to force stuff on you we'll try to create the best way of doing things and living and structuring government and society and whatever not based on all of these um you know certain verses or whatever but just what makes most sense rationally and logically and based off of other you know ethics wherever people believe those come from or whatever um and i think that now that that's happening less i think that people will to me it's it's just like increased tolerance in all directions shall we say so uh, you know because every force has an equal and opposite reaction so if people push yeah if people push too hard uh, like it's it's why I it's why I don't really like um it's why I have a problem with I, have, I just have, I generally have a problem with people trying to just force stuff on other people that that that's generally my thing I don't that's why I I don't like um like like I know t- I know tons of people who are atheists like God, lots of my lots of my best friends are atheists right but when people be sort of have this like anti theist thing right there's a difference between an atheist and an anti-theist when you've got people who are trying to like almost in a way in, in a way they're almost like really i call them religious atheists yeah death to religion right yeah there's because no more purpose to this Let's yeah well well yeah they're kind of being evangelical in their atheism <laughs> of trying to like convert believers and, and it's like look i'm not trying to convert you or force you to accept 
the Lord Jesus is your savior, right? <laughs> like I'm not gonna go and you know scream, go to hell. Or, no, no, no. Right? That's Splash like that's water on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in doing that to anyone. But it's like I can respect where you're from, and and I get it too. Like I can understand. I can, I can totally understand why somebody would be an atheist. Just like I can totally understand. I can totally understand why someone would believe in God, and I can totally understand why someone would not believe in God. Out of those two things, I believe in God. But I can. I, it's not like, oh, you're just dumb, like you're just you're just too stupid to get. It. It's like no, <laughs> and or other. You know, I've had people try to be like that to me, like, oh, I'm surprised someone as intelligent as you believes in God. And I'm like, dude, don't be a condescending a hole, because that's not <laughs> like that's not what it is. <laughs> like that's not. It's not as simple as you're trying to, you know, kind of make it seem or whatever. But yeah, to me, it's just about that sort of genuine. People use the word tolerance a lot, but I mean like true tolerance and being like look you know some of these things we're not gonna agree on or whatever and some of it it doesn't matter because i care a lot more about how people behave that's ultimately what matters you've got people who are you know are religious or claim to be religious and they're terrible and they do evil stuff right <laughs> and then you've got people who are you know not religious no even god or whatever and they're great and they're extremely moral and they're what so to me those details are almost like they're they're just details like it doesn't what's going on in your head it matters to a degree but what matters a lot more is how you treat other people what you do in your life how you live your life what you're you know that, that that's really what matters so wherever that stems from whether that stems from that religion or that one or that one or that one or none of them or like maybe some maybe cherry picking i like that bit from hinduism i like that bit from buddhism i like that bit like whatever like whatever helps you live your life and be a, be a good person, person. And, yeah. and and treat people well i'm like i'm on board I'm, like, I'm, I'm on board i don't i don't i don't care maybe maybe i'm a little bit unique in that regard i don't think everybody certainly not every religious person thinks like that but that's ultimately what it kind of boils down with to me it's like look like just live your life live your life well treat people nicely yeah. don't be an a-hole well, that resurgence <laughs> is probably coming back from <laughs> From just a lack of tradition that, you know, is in the United States. So the the mm. traditions that we can relate back to are these, you know, Judeo-Christian, you know, things that most people had the religion, the religious background in. And those things have cultural and societal, you know, traditions, whether it's, you know, the Judeo side, you know, having that Shabbat dinner or, you know, mm. even going to church. Like mm -hmm. church is like a huge sense of community. Of course. And I know so many people, you know, I'll go sometimes, like yeah. just, they'll go. Yeah. And just like to be able to connect, take that bit of silence, you know, to learn and connect people, mm -hmm. whether they think the same way or you don't, it's, yeah. it's massive. Yeah, and, yeah. and again, it's, it's also where a lot of charity stems from. You know, a lot of char a lot of charity stems from religious in institutions, or you know, some of them might be some of them might be more secular now, but were started, you know, as you know, offshoots of of a church or another religious society or whatever. Because that's, I mean, charities, as far as I know. Every, with every religion I'm aware, have some decent knowledge of, like charity is a very core part of it, right? You know, living your life in a certain way and helping other people, like within your capabilities, whether that's financially, whether that's whatever. And look, like again, like I said, wherever these tenets come from someone, come for someone, ultimately to me, it's like it doesn't, that, that's, that's a question we'll, we'll know when we all die. Right. You know, we'll know when we all die. But ultimately, wherever those tenets come from and those behaviors come from, those are things that we generally all agree are good. It's good to live your life righteously. It's good to 
uh, not lie and not steal and not cheat and not kill. It's good to respect um, your parents. Respect your parents. Yeah. It's good to you know give give to the needy, help other people, live your life in a way that other people you know respect and look up to you and uses your talents and abilities to help others. All that like. That's like there's a stone tablet that had ten of those things. Yeah. Yeah. We just recited that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so this is the thing. It's, it's like it's like look. There's there's the details of it, and there's that, and there's that. But but like the core stuff is like look. Like if you do this, then we'll all be all right, man. Like we will be okay. We got into religion and politics, and that's all good. Philosophy again, but I really wanted to go with back in the music side because I want to know like who's you got producer. Influential okay. producers you have, you know, people that inspire you. I think you see under here, I mean, we got all the synthesizers mm. in here. You know, two of the roommates are techno producers and okay. DJs. So it's gotten me from doing the audio side of this stuff to really listen and learn when I'm producing or engineer, you know, just audio for podcasts and stuff, like to learn what these guys do and do that. So are you making beats, you know? who's, who's uh, I don't ins- make beats. Who's inspiring you just on the production side, though? Okay. Um, yeah, I don't make beats. I've never made a beat in my life, so I don't know how to produce. Okay. I'm a lyric writer. Okay. I'm a performer. Um, I, my beats are done by a range, range of different, range of different people. Um, some of the, Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes Oz. The man behind the wall. <laughs> you, you all good there? Is it? Oh, it's just taped. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a temporary setup. It's all good. Sorry. That's all good, man. Can we get? Is it, can that thing get colder? Is um, that like an? Is it just a fan or is it an AC? Uh, it's just a fan. It's a fan. Okay. It's a little. Okay. So I was gonna say it's a little bit warm. I'm gonna put Brandon, if you want to sort of like, like ten more minutes. Yeah. We're sort of. We already swapped one camera to sort of. Is that look? You're feeling a little bit more of that? Here. Yeah, that's cool, man. Thank you. It. Yeah, it's a little bit warm. That's cool. Three. Uh, okay, that's back up. Little cut back in. So you were talking about prom musical influences. Yeah, yeah. So I was saying, yeah. So I don't, I don't produce myself. I work with a range of, of different producers and beat makers. Um, on my most recent album, Perseverance, some of those would be um, a guy called A Side One, who's a producer from Russia, actually. Um, uh, my friend Tomek Zil, who's um, uh, originally from Poland, but he's based in Derby in the UK. Uh, he's made some great stuff. Uh, Anno Domini, who's actually based in LA, hoping to meet him. We've made music together for over a decade, but I've never met him in person. He's actually based in LA now, so I should be meeting him in the next couple of days. So, but I, w- I work with a range of range of different producers on there. Um, in terms of hip hop in general, some of my favorite producers would be uh, DJ Premier, Dr. Dre, um, the Neptunes. I like. Um, hmm might be my might be my top three timberland okay kanye west so kanye's great just blaze <laughs> you know do you know yeah. gasofelstein do i know gasofelstein i don't think so he's a techno dj but he works a lot with kanye west oh okay the uh what's his name the weekend oh yeah, yeah. his whole new album was produced with gasofelstein oh okay he's this techno dj who's just unreal okay. producer and engineer who works with a lot of hip-hop artists oh interesting on producing tracks of again weekend paid him enough to work with him on producing an entire track Fair a whole enough. album together okay um definitely a real cool cool dude to check out uh what about other musical inspirations like uh, outside of hip-hop that inspire um, you I'm mostly a hip hop head, to be totally honest with you. To be totally honest with you, I mostly listen to hip hop. I listen to a little bit of dubstep. I listen to a little bit of everything else, mm-hmm. but I'm like 98, 98% hip hop. Okay. Yeah, and I always have been, to be honest. 
Yeah, because I uh, watched that Jimmy IV Dr. Dre documentary. Oh, yeah. I haven't, I, haven't se- I haven't seen that yet. I'll, I'll watch yeah, that I'm at least once a month, yeah. just uh, even while I'm working, like just to get inspiration with those yeah. two, just evil geniuses and the music <laughs> and, you know, the production that they've done. Mm. Jimmy IV's worked with so many different rock stars to, you know, connecting with Dr. Dre and then building on Interscope. Mm. And what's his record company? Not, it was Death Row into After, uh, Aftermath. Aftermath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just their idea of just how to find talent mm. and giving really great producers and artists their own branch and just, okay, here, you become the own mm. head of your own label mm-hmm. and creating that idea and getting these guys to go out. And Dr. Dre. I do these, need to watch that, actually. Yeah, 50 I, Cent, yeah. Eminem, he does. Are they, are they in it? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Every, it tells their stories and like all the guys Jimmy Ivey worked with. Okay. From get, starting with John Lennon and then getting oh, into okay. Fleetwood Mac. Okay. Tom Petty. Um, and even like it's there's a few sessions of Dr. Dre in a studio and he takes his Marvin Gaye song mm-hmm. and puts this hip hop fusion to it and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> That's just he was doing for fun. He's never mm-hmm. gonna let mm-hmm. that one out or let that one go. It's beautiful. Okay. And it's really, really great. Uh again, finding your creative side and your inspiration and connection towards those things. It's yeah. No, I'll check it out because I like watching stuff that just generally inspires me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm sure that'll be well up there. Fantastic. Well, dude, thank you for coming out. You're welcome, man. I'm wrap it's it on a, that it's been one a right there. And uh, I want to say that just uh, your rationality just gives you a lot of wisdom, man. It was great Thanks, just coming man. in here, <laughs> listen, just having a conversation with you, getting to listen to you talking all these other shows. And, uh, you know, before we came out here, the powerful message you're trying to portray and get out to the world because there is no stopping it. There's no stopping how much how many people can connect with and what you can bestow on others. So I appreciate it. Keep bro. at Thank it, you. man. I will. Don't worry. <laughs> And uh, please let people know where they can find uh, not just your book, your music, but, you know, watch those great viral tweets of yours. (laughs) (laughs) Sure thing. (laughs) So you can follow me on everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Zuby Music. That's Z-U-B-Y Music. My main website is ZubyMusic.com. You can check out my latest album, Perseverance, and my uh, podcast, Real Talk with Zuby. Those are on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all the usual places. Just search Zuby Podcast or Real Talk with Zuby, and you'll find me there. And my book, Strong Advice, is also available on my website, teamzuby.com. So, yeah, you can go check that out. The paperbacks are currently sold out, but the ebook is available always. Badass, man. I have one more question, too. What was the craziest person that you've sat down and interviewed with? The craziest person I've sat down and interviewed with? Yeah, just with? like the most, like, just, whoa. Like, I couldn't believe that person was like who they... Wow. Um, I don't know. Because you've done a bunch recently. <laughs> you've done a bunch the past six I, months, we'll say. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. You mean guests on my own podcast or? Could be either one. Who's just like, one. wow, this person's a crackpot. I can't believe, you know, they come off completely different as they do to everybody else on, in the world. That's, man, I'd have to think. There's no one that comes to mind immediately. No one that comes to mind immediately. Everyone's been pretty reasonable, to be honest. Okay, okay. Yeah, right. I might and, need to find a few more crazy people. Point you in the direction of some crazy people. <laughs> and guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you're listening to this, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, where everywhere a podcast can be consumed and listened to. And if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, go check out Zuby's page on YouTube right now because you're watching this, you're looking at me here. And guys, go check out all the merch we got. We got brand new merch, bus shirts, bus mugs, phone cases. I want you to buy me ad space on your stuff, on your backs, on your phones. That's why we do it. So go out there, go buy that merch. And uh, yeah, 
India, we're coming for you. India, Jan uh, January 1st. So go check out that video. And if you're out there in India, let's connect. Let's find a way to work together on all the projects that I currently have and any cool, interesting video projects you got out there. So the bus driver experience is out. Thank you guys for tuning in. Kids is the moment uh, for those who...